New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com So we got a few minutes now? Uh, Can I get somebody to get me some water? Good, good, good. At least my towel. These lights are hot. Listen, come here, I want to ask you something. Do what? Come here, I want to ask you something. Uh, Where's my coat? I don't know. I thought I had a coke. Tell me about the deal before we go back. Tell me about what I mean. What are you going to tell everybody about Cain? What is what's the deal? I told everybody. You heard what I told him. I told the whole world he's my son. He is my son, Jerry. Is that simple? Come on. So you're telling he's me. he's my son. I can't. I mean, you're telling me you don't believe no, me. No, you're telling me you nailed the Undertaker's mother. Well, I nailed nailed. Yeah. Well, no. Okay. Tell me. Well, how did it happen? I trust you. I'm. Tell, I'll tell nobody. I was 19 years old. I was an apprentice at the funeral home. Right. I went out one Tuesday night to the wrestling matches like I always did with my friends. Had a few beers. Coming to the funeral home. And there she was in this little teddy outfit. (laughs) I've never been... Don't tell nobody. I've never been with a woman before at that point. I I wasn't fat like I am now either. In fact, Jerry, I was kind of studly. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I was. Well, anyway, I come through the door and... She took me right there. Right there. Where was it? On the embalming table or something? No, no, no. On the kitchen floor. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. At the kitchen floor <laughs> of the funeral. Bob Bearer slips the salami to the undertaker's and mother the, on the kitchen in floor. In the kitchen Come of on. the apartment of the funeral. You swear to God. I, I swear. It's, it's the gospel truth. That's the way it happened. She took me, an innocent 19-year-old boy. As I lost my virginity right there. <laughs> it's true. It's Paul Bearer buries his baloney in the Undertaker's mouth. You know, she on. was a moaning and a groaning and a screaming, and I heard some little feet coming down the stairs. It's a good thing I got up because it was Little Taker coming down the stairs. I stopped him just in time. <laughs> if it had took two more steps, he'd have seen his mama's feet. One of them was in New York, and the other one was in LA. <laughs> Can you imagine if a little Undertaker had come in and seen Paul Bearer and his mother bumping uglies? Oh, you done did it now. Chaos, you should have put this one in the vault, man. They not ready. They don't know what's coming, man. Oh, we gonna drop this on them right here. Y'all ain't ready for this. Y'all ain't ready for none of this. Your boy's a bad man. Then we invading the streets. Make them clap a rapper skirt. They be dropping the heat. Shock the world. Now I'm standing alone. I flip fools like them clamshell cellular phones You can't help but nod your head to the track Fuck the water down right, we be taking it back Give it to me straight, ain't no chasing it Check yourself in the mirror, ain't no facing it Cause you playing the role and you planning to fold It's the master plan, we got the planet on hold We all over the streets like your favorite sneaker Breaking up your sound like a drive-thru speaker Every 
and it's strong After I rock fast forward through the rest of the song We the monkey wrench that's gonna ruin your plan And don't fuck with John Cena, I'm a bad man Come on, man. with the mic in my hands, I'm a bad man Leaving in a fight with my hands, I'm a bad man Living in the streets all my life, I'm a bad man I'm a bad man, I'm a bad man With the mic in my hands, I'm a bad man Even in the fight with the hands, I'm a bad man so I guess that little clip with Paul Bearer and Jerry Lawler was the precursor of what we would have uh, less than a year later, GTV. And uh, yeah, that happened this week back in 1998. And by the way, John Cena's uh, song Bad Bad Man this week in 2005, the music video debuted as well. Still love that music video, a little spoof of the A-Team Cameo by Gary Coleman. Rest in peace. Anyway, what's up, everyone? Don Tony here. Welcome to This Week in Wrestling History, Season 2, Episode 18. This week, we covered a period of April 30th through May 6th. And I got to tell you, there was at least five different clips that I was going to open with this week. It was such a hard decision of what to go with, but I promise you, this episode is going to have some really, really uh, fun audio uh, later on when we get into like the 90s and the 2000s, especially because there's going to be moments that you completely forgot about. Maybe some that you never heard of before, but uh, I want to get right into it. 1977, superstar Billy Graham beats Bruno Sammartino to win the WWF title. Billy Graham... I think he held it for about 300 days. And if you check out the wrestling magazines from back then, uh, big shock, big shock. Now, I didn't become a wrestling fan until a couple of years later. But going back and buying older issues of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, The Wrestler, Inside Wrestling, they treated this as a big shock. And I guess you could call it that uh, because Bruno had only lost the title one time before. And I believe it was against Ivan Koloff in 71. But, you know, Bruno's starting to get up there in age, needs to wind down his career a little bit. Um, so the title was given to Billy Graham, who then lost it to Bob Backlund. Everyone already knows my views on Backlund as the heavyweight champion. I still to this day feel that um, superstar Billy Graham is very bitter that they took the title off of him. I don't think he necessarily was upset at Backlund, or maybe he just felt like, why are you putting Backlund instead of me? That's not Backlund's fault. Backlund was the champ for about five years. And I know yours truly being a fan from the late 70s to the present. I like Backlund as champion. Once you got around 83, people started to get a little bit sick and tired of it. You had a lot of countouts, disqualifications. I think once he feuded with Slaughter, when Slaughter whipped him, um, after that, what the Harvard step test that he did, that's when I think we started thinking, all right, you know what? Uh, we might need a little switch here. And, uh, the rest is history. Iron Sheik, then Hogan and blah, 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 blah. 1981, you know, you go on WWE's website, they call it the first time WWE ever went extreme. And I wholeheartedly disagree. I immediately think of the strap matches that Billy Graham had with Dusty Rhodes, Ivan Putzky. You know, you had some bloodbaths before this, but I will say this match that took place in 81, I've talked about it many times before. One of my favorite old school matches 
Pat Patterson versus Sergeant Slaughter. It was the alley fight that took place in the garden. Pat Patterson, this is right after um, he had turned babyface. He was doing announcing, and Slaughter had started challenging people to the Cobra Clutch. This led to the incident with Patterson, which we covered on the show not too long ago. And this was the culmination of their feud. I always remember Pat Patterson coming out with that extremely, awfully, too tight, I love New York t-shirt. And he was over, man. And Slaughter bled like a pig. You go on WWE's website, you would never think that blood ever spilled in this match. But the amount of blood that Slaughter spilled it was, at that time, it was pretty incredible to see it up close and personal. So if you've never seen this match, go out of your way to watch it, especially if you're into old school stuff and want to see a nice, you know, just flat out brawl with some blood involved. I love the match and the garden ate it up as well. And it is without a doubt, one of the greatest matches in early WWF history. One of the most legendary, I think you probably, probably better way to put it. 1982, we've talked about this before. This week in 82, Manny Fernandez was rushed to a hospital, stabbed multiple times. Just to give you the short story of it, there was a wrestling event that went down in Texas, and Manny Fernandez, along with Tully Blanchard, they went to a strip joint. And apparently, they picked up a couple of girls at the strip joint. And look, I'm saying this verbatim. I don't have the exact articles in front of me, but this is pretty much the gist of the story. They picked up a couple of girls from a strip joint. They went out to a restaurant after, and allegedly one of the guys uh, that attacked Manny Fernandez was the boyfriend of one of these strippers. So they started yelling, and shit led to you know an altercation. Next thing you know, Manny Fernandez was stabbed. Now, a couple of old-school newspaper articles from 82 claim that Tully Blanchard ran away. Uh, I don't think that that's actually the case. And I'm not saying it because I'm a Tully Blanchard fan, but years later through interviews and other articles, um, basically went to get help. But thank God Manny Fernandez was okay. If you search around, there's anywhere from three stab wounds to eight. Still, scary situation that got a lot of mainstream press. I don't think the person that stabbed him ever went to jail for it. Believe it or not, I don't know why, but anyway, 1984, we get to the first audio clip for this week. It is the first ever Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions. Uh, For those that may not remember it, David David Von Erich, the brother of Carrie and Kevin and others, uh, had died in February 1984. David Von Erich, up-and-coming star, and they held this Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions. And the main event, one of the main events, was Kerry Von Erich taking on Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight title. This was a big deal back then. Um, match results, before we get into that match, Kelly Kanitsky went to a time limit draw against Johnny Mantell. You had Chris Adams and Sunshine over Jimmy Garvin and Precious in an intergender tag match. Butch Reed over Chick Donovan. Kamala with Skandar, Akbar, and Friday went to a double DQ against the great Kabuki with Gary Hart in his corner. You had Junkyard Dog over the missing link by DQ. Uh, Rock and Soul, which was uh, that pedophile, Buck Rock and Roll Zumoff and Iceman King Parsons, they defeated the Super Destroyers. 
Kevin, Mike, and Fritz Von Erich defeated the fabulous Freebirds, and this was for the six-man tag titles. And in your main event, you had Kerry Von Erich defeat Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight title. You know, it was emotional because the match was, you know, dedicated to David. I always remember Kerry Von Erich wearing that beautiful blue robe with the yellow rose paying tribute to his brother. And um, although he would only hold the title for, what, three weeks, it was still a really cool moment in history. And, you know, Kerry Von Erich was massively over. So I'm going to share with you right now the highlights from that match. And, uh, you know, a lot of respect at the end. Ric Flair, you know, showing respect to Kerry, even though he was, you know, big time heel at the time. And uh, Ric Flair would vow to come back for his title and he would get it about three weeks later. Let's uh, flash back to 1984, Kerry Von Erich versus Ric Flair for the NWA Heavyweight title. This event is for the World Heavyweight title. There are two stipulations of this title. First of all, there is no time limit. And also, if the champion should disqualify himself, he will automatically be forced to relinquish his title and give it to Kerry Von Erich. First of all, the heavyweight champion of the world from Minneapolis, weighing 235 pounds, Mr. Rick Flair. And his challenger from Denton, Texas, weighing 259 pounds, Mr. Kerry Von Erich. Your referee is David Manning. This is it. Make no mistake where you are. There are no seat belts on the chairs here at Texas Stadium. But we almost need them. The world has been waiting for this bout for months. Kerry Von Erich, as you see the world belt in front of you, Kerry Von Erich in probably the most beautiful ring jacket I've ever seen, which has the yellow rose on the back, says in memory of David Von Erich. He was here in honor of his brother, who no doubt would have been a world champion someday. Look at the looks on these two as David Manning tries to go over the rules. The intensity has never been higher. Flair with a parting word as he moves to his corner. There's the world belt held by David Manning. And here we go. No time limit. If Flair gets disqualified, he loses the belt. This is it. Here we go. The confidence on the face of Kerry Von Erich and the champion. We'll take just a moment to size this over again. 50,000 fans are here for this. This is what they've come to see. They're in the ropes and the hold is broken. There is only one world heavyweight champion. He represents the entire world. Flair takes him down, can't find the handle, carry up and win it. Referee stance turns into a side headlock by Kerry Von Erich. The champion pushes him up and off. Kerry with that tremendous physique. Look at the muscles in those arms. Even as he is bent down and now the thing begins to go the other way as Flair is taken down. Oh, 
The Von Erich dream is underway. Perry with the iron bar. The Von Erich name has been meant so much to professional wrestling, all of sports, all of society. As their example inside the ring and outside the ring in the real world has meant so much for so many. Here's the champion charging into Carey with his shoulder. He's in the corner. Slapping Carey, and the fans can hear it all through the stadium. Carey is rolling now. Flair. Back to his feet. There's a drive by Carey. Slam and down goes the champion. The nature boy. We've seen him before. We heard what he had to say in advance weeks, previous weeks, coming into this via taped interview. And now we're seeing the bout. Flair out on the floor. The count has begun. David Manning with the count. And Flair back in before it even gets close. Uh, a beautiful, warm afternoon at Texas Stadium. The largest crowd ever. As Ric Flair, perhaps, in fact, without a doubt, his toughest test ever in defending the World Heavyweight Championship, and he's defending it a few times. Flair has so much. The mind, the body, it all has to work together. And Kerry Von Erich reaching that same level. Kerry has worked so hard, he's been on World Tour in recent weeks. Kerry on his knees. There's that shot by the champion, Kerry into the ropes. The champion has gained momentum and Kerry goes to the floor. Kerry right back like nothing ever happened, but Flair is waiting for him. Kerry with a headbutt from the apron. Kerry over sunset flip. But Flair reaches for the rope. Will he go down? Yes. One, two, and the leg scissors, you can see it coming. Oh, the level of intensity is so high in this bout and amongst this crowd. They leap to their feet with every pin count. Gary wants to put him out. The sleeper. men slow to get back to their feet there's a flying mare by the champion carry down the champion backs away to the far rope and it's a knee across the head Barry Von Erich on his knees. The champion wants David Manning out of the way. A thrill for David Manning to get to officiate this world title bout. Here's the suplex and down goes Kerry. The champion will have his first pin of this bout. Two, look out. Oh. Ah. 
Drop kick by Carey. Flair was not expecting that. And Flair moves right back over with an elbow. What is this? Who's going to get in the abdominal stretch? It's Carey stretching out the champion, Ric Flair. Abdominal stretch, and we're in position for a possible submission. But in a world title situation, I'm not sure you'd ever see it. Watch the tights! Flair yelling about the tights. Tosses Carey over. What great camera work and great audio. Here's Carey back on his feet. A knee across the champion's head. Carey down. Yes, it's Carey. Flair with the tights gets a knee in the midsection. And goes Carey. Flair to the rope. And it's a iron claw. Carey Von Erich with that patented, unique Von Erich iron claw. No one else can do it like the Von Erichs, and Flair is paralyzed. David Manning warning Flair about that blow which he just delivered to Kerry Von Erich. Both men on their knees. It's hot in that ring out there. And this is the toughest bout probably either of these men will ever be in. Look out. The champion climbing carries on his feet. Grabs him. Takes him out and throws him across Texas Stadium. Carry with a drive, the champion in the corner. Flair upside down, falling back. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Step over toe hold but Carey puts a stop to that by kicking the champion away. Another step over attempt and Carey knocks him away a second time. Here's Flair from the ropes, wants to toss Carey across. Carey's got him, here's the Nelson pin. Go! Carey! The dream step through, yes!
And I'll be back. You can do that I'll be back. They're going to be in trouble. I'll be back. You tell your brothers, you tell your old man, Rick Flair, I'll be back. You got it, baby. You got it, Chef. Gary Von Erich is the new world heavyweight champion. What a thriller for me to say that. 1985, the second Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions. In fact, we're actually going to give you a quick recap for three more. I'm not going to play any audio highlights from them, but as you will hear as we go latter years, you know, world class was not the same, especially when you get towards the late 80s. But anyway, first, let's get into 85. You had Johnny Mantell and Skip Young going to a draw. Scott Casey and Brian Adidas over Kelly and Nick Kanitsky. You had Terry Gordy over Kamala. Mike Von Erich over Rip Oliver. Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams over to Craig Kabuki and Scott Casey. Uh, originally, Hercules Hernandez was supposed to be uh, in that match, but he quit and was gone. I don't know if he went straight to the WWF after this, but Hercules was out of the company. You had the Fantastics, Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers over to Midnight Express to... Uh, win the vacant NWA American Tag Team titles. Next, a 12-man, two-ring tag team match. The Von Erichs teaming up with the fabulous Freebirds. They beat Chris Adams, Rip Oliver, Gino Hernandez, one-man gang, Dr. Dutch, Steve Williams, and Kamala. The stipulations, the winning team got $100,000. Not. And the wrestler who got the pin won a Lincoln Continental. Not, but after the match, there was a car there. Gene Hernandez and Chris Adams basically busted the windshield. I don't know if this was a junker car. If you look at the video, the car actually looked pretty nice, but that was the faux stipulations. Uh, a couple of Von Erichs wrestled double duty that night for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Kevin Von Erich and Ric Flair wrestled to a double countout. And the closing match, Kerry Von Erich over the one-man gang. Because Kerry Von Erich won, uh, Gary Hart had his head shaved bald. If Kerry Von Erich would have lost, Fritz Von Erich would have been forced to come out of retirement and face the one-man gang one-on-one. 86, the third annual Von Erich uh, Memorial Parade of Champions. Sunshine over Missy Hyatt in a mud match. You had the missing link in Iceman King Parsons over Skandar Akbar and the one-man gang. A gauntlet match. Great Kabuki over Mark Youngblood. Then you had Great Kabuki over Jerry Allen. Steve Simpson over to Great Kabuki. Brian Adidas retains the world-class Texas heavyweight title, defeating Steve Regal. You had Chris Adams and Brickhouse Brown over John Tatum in a grappler. In a barbed wire match, Bruiser Brody over Terry Bam Bam Gordy. For the world-class world heavyweight championship, Rick Rude with Percy Pringle III over Bruiser Brody by DQ. And the Lumberjack elimination match for the world-class world six-man titles. You had Steve Simpson, Kerry Von Erich, and Lance Von Erich defeat the fabulous Freebirds. Terry Gordy pinned Kerry Von Erich. Steve Simpson pinned Michael Hayes. Buddy Roberts pinned Steve Simpson. Terry Gordy thrown over the top rope by Lance Von Erich. So uh, Terry Gordy was eliminated. And Lance Von Erich pinned Buddy Roberts. 
Now we go to 1987, the fourth annual Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions. I think this is the last one we cover this week. Next week, we get into, I think, the final one or two. And when you hear those cards, you'll understand why they unfortunately had to come to an end. Anyway, Matt Bourne and Scott Casey over Black Bart and Jack Victory. Steve Dahl over Tim Brooks. Cousin Junior over the Grappler. You had River, River Jack and Spike Huber over Abdullah the Butcher and Eli the Eliminator. And because Jack and Huber won, Jack got a match against Gary Hart and defeated Gary Hart by countout. Min Mascadis over Al Madrill. Skip Young over Brian Adidas in a Lumberjack match. For the world-class world heavyweight title, Kevin Von Erich and Nord the Barbarian wrestled to a double countout. In a six-man scaffold match, the Fantastics and Steve Simpson over the Rock and Roll RPMs and Eric Embry. Yeah, Bruiser Brody over Jeep Swenson. And Kenny Devine wins a six-woman mud pit match. 1987, Super Clash 2. And our next audio highlight. You know, when we talked in the last couple of weeks about the fuckery that was given to Hulk Hogan in the AWA for, you know, multiple year time and just how they kept fucking with the fans. Look, there's nothing wrong with swerves. There's nothing wrong with reverse decisions, you know, but when you keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again because you want to, you know, you think that that's going to hot shot the crowd attendance. Yeah, some people may say in a business sense, yeah, that's how you, you know, get people to keep coming back because is this going to be the night? Is this going to be the night? Well, it gets to a point where people get fed up. They don't like being fucking teased and swerved too many times. There's got to be a good balance. And it happened again at Super Clash 2. However, the end result actually was a positive one. Even though, you know, the person involved wasn't obviously on the level of a Hulk Hogan. But still, you know, decent match. And we're going to share some highlights in a moment. First, the other match results. Sheik Adnan Al-Casey over Buck Rock and Roll Zumoff. You had DJ Peterson wrestle Super Ninja to a time limit draw. For the AWA World Women's Championship, Sherry Martel retains defeating Medusa. For the AWA World Heavyweight Championship, Nick Bockwinkle, who was the champion, wrestled Kurt Henning. And as I said before, the AWA fuckery. Now, Hogan is out of the company. He's now in the WWF. So where they left off with Hogan with the fuckery, they picked it up with Kurt Henning. certainly seems the worst for wear of the two. Staggering across the ring, swinging wildly with the right hand. Atomic drop here by Kurt Hennig. The youth may be telling here. A rollover. Oh. It doesn't get any closer than three, two, three, then that. And Buckwinkle answers back with a shot to the solar plexus. Buckwinkle now with a whip. Second win here. Wow. Indeed. He may be setting him up for the axe. Let's see. There it is. 
takes him to his feet. Oh, what a drop kick! Bockwinkle, baby, out on his feet. However, instinctively, he reaches back for that something that only the champions have and is able to kick his way out one more time. Hennig drills him with a right hand. Whips him across the ring. And Bockwinkle comes back with a clothesline of his own. Pulled that one right out of the bottom of the barrel, didn't he, Roddy? Oh, he did. That's experience there that you're seeing. Just instinctive experience. The two of them simultaneously making their way to their feet. And the war goes on. Buckwinkle now picking up Kurt Henning, dropping him flat on his back. However, unable to roll over and cover him. Front face lock, side headlock, short headlock here, Kurt Henning. But both men indeed simultaneously on the deck again. Oh, what's he doing? Once Larry Zabisco got in line as he is saying something here to Kurt Henning. Larry Zabisco is I can't believe this. Uh, what did Zabisco do over there? He I don't know. All he did was he said something to Kurt Henning. Henning comes up and hammers away. Cannot buy that rod. He is Larry Zabisco had to give Kurt Henning something to punch Nick Bockwinkle that hard. Wow! I'm not buying this at all. Look at this. Look at Zabisco going right to Kurt Henning. A voice of experience here at ringside, Ray the Crippler Stevens. There you see Kurt Henning and Larry Zabisco. Ray the Crippler Stevens away and Stevens 
Commissioner Blackburn, the announcement again. You are holding the championship belt. We're going to hold the championship belt so the committee can look at the tape, the film of it, and then we'll make the decision. But as of right now, neither man is champion. So we do not have a champion in the not, AWA right now. Not at the moment. It won't take but a couple of days to review the review the film. But but as of right now, no champion. You have heard from the commissioner, Nick Bockwinkle. Nick, champ, whether or not the word champ still Thank pertains, you. I am Thank not you. sure. The belt is being held by Stanley Blackburn. How do you see all of this? All I know is my life went out. Now, I was taking the best that this man had to offer. And I mean, I got a good butt kicking, but I hung in there and I stayed in there. And his 10 or 15 years junior to me didn't seem to make that damn much difference. So I'll say one thing. All of a sudden, my lights go out. Now, I don't think anything of this except what? He caught the greatest Sunday punch he ever had. And then all of a sudden, everybody's saying, Zabisco, of all people, slipped something to Kurt Henning. I don't see this, and as I understand, it's questionable how many other people saw it, but they're questioning it to begin with. I can only say one thing. Then, Ray Stevens, as I noticed, pulls Zabisco's hand out of his pocket, and a damn roll of dimes falls in there. Now, I'll tell you what. I don't like the fact that nobody's got the title, but I will go along with it, only in this sense, to see a Zabisco and Henning, who seem to be newfound friends, Stevens. Gary Derusha has made his decision. The belt is again in the hands of the commissioner Stanley Blackburn. The words of I guess we have to call him the champion until otherwise we'll see if we can get Kurt Hennig down here. Kurt 
There is no champion. There is no champion right now. Gary Derusha, the words of Gary Derusha, the referee, I know this is a very, very difficult time for you to talk, Kurt Hennig. What happened? Did indeed I'll ask everybody saw what happened? I'll ask you flat out. Did Larry Zabisco give you something? Larry Zabisco had nothing to do with this match. The referee just admitted, as far as he's concerned, Kurt Hennig is the heavyweight champion of the world. You saw it. One, two, three. Here's the, here's the authority. According to him, Kurt Hennig made up. Just a minute. I know Parker's on a silver platters for his brown nose and friends. was one, two, three in the middle of the ring, and I got nothing else to say, Bachwinkle, but I am the heavyweight champion of the world, and you know it. Kurt Hennig, Larry Zabisco, and we see off to our right, Gary DeRusha. I'm the number one contender. I want to know who's the champion. Where did I saw with my eyes Kurt Hennig beat Nick Bachwinkle. Where did he get those Blackburn. points? Zabisco, you've heard from Kurt Hennig, you've heard from Nick Bockwinkel, you've heard from Commissioner Stanley Blackburn, Ray the Crippler Stevens, and Gary DeRusha. Wow, the decision will be made in a few days as to where the championship belt will go, either Bockwinkel or Kurt Hennig. Right now, there is no champion of the AWA in this particular moment. Rob Tronga from the Cow Palace in San Francisco, and we'll be right back. Now, a few days later, they would uphold Kurt Henning as the champion, which was good because a lot of people, I remember at that time, like, are they going to fucking do this again? But no, they left the belt on him. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. I mean, Henning, I thought, was a decent AWA champion. He obviously was not Mr. Perfect yet, but you could see signs of it. WWF obviously built on that once he went to uh, World Wrestling Federation. Anyway, the Midnight Rockers and Ray Stevens over Buddy Wolf, Doug Summers, and Kevin Kelly. Jerry Blackwell over Boris Zukov. And Jimmy Snuka, along with Russ Francis, they defeated the terrorist and the mercenary. This week in 1992, Family Feud, still on today. Back in 92 this week to help promote the World Bodybuilding Federation. We had a special episode. It was hosted by Ray Combs, uh, who is now deceased. It was the WWF versus the WBF. There are some clips on YouTube. I was going to share a little bit of audio here because it is humorous to watch, but for some reason, the quality is Shangata. And I don't understand that because this episode has appeared on the Game Show Network in recent years. Why nobody capped it and put it online baffles me but i am going to work on getting a really good copy of this episode and a few other family feud appearances by wcw wwf a little bit later on tna 
But for this week in 92, representing the WWF was Jimmy Hart, Sensational Sherry, Bobby DeBrain Heenan, The Mountie, and Brian Nobbs on the Nasty Boys. On the WBF side, you had Gary Stridham, Eddie Robinson, Jim Quinn, Danny Badia, and Cameo Muir. I think that was the female bodybuilder, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, if you could have Sherry on one side, you probably threw a female on the opposite side. That's just the way it was back then. 1993, controversy. And this is pretty funny. No internet at the time. I think we had internet chat. I think 93 was the first time I ever found out anything about internet. And I remember I was over at this girl's house, me and a bunch of my friends. She was on a computer. I've told this story on uh, blah, blah, blah in the past. And she's on a computer and she's chatting with people and, you know, no photos, just strictly text and stuff. And that was apparently the internet. And you could chat with people and this and that. And then, you know, the rest is history. But... So the, the reason why I say this is that back back in 93, you didn't have all these websites and social media and ways to fucking catch Hulk Hogan. But it was funny once this footage started leaking out. And keep in mind, in 93, how else were you going to see this footage unless you had a tape trader or, you know, years later you would find out about it. Now, at this time, Hulk Hogan is the WWF champion. Now, he would leave later on in the year and ultimately go to WCW. But this week in 93, he wrestled for New Japan's wrestling Dontaku event in Fukuoka, Japan. And he was going to wrestle the Great Muda. So before the event took place, he got interviewed by Mr. Saito. Now keep in mind, he's in Japan representing the World Wrestling Federation, he is the WWF champion, and the great Muta was the IWGP heavyweight champion. So Hogan cuts his promo, and you're thinking, all right, you know, uh, I'm the WWF champion of the world. I'm better than you. You're the IWGP champion, and USA versus Japan, and blah, 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 blah. You think he would go that route? Nah. Instead, Hogan decides to disrespect the WWF Championship. Today is the most exciting day of my wrestling career simply because I'm the WWF Champion five times. But the most important thing to me is to make sure that my career ends in Japan. I want to come back to New Japan for wrestling and I'm back. The IWGP belt is the most important belt in the world today. And that's why I'm here. I'm in the greatest shape of my life. I'm in Ichiban shape and I'm going to prove to you, Saito, to New Japan Pro Wrestling and to all the Hulkamaniacs out there that Hulk Hogan can beat the great Muta right in the center of the ring. And from that point on, every wrestler in New Japan shall fear Hulkamania. And I will prove I am Ichiban and Axe will be supreme all throughout Japan. あ、今日は俺とムダに、レスリングの取れさを教えてやると。新日本のレスラー全レスラーに対して自分の取れさを教えると。それで一番最初にその現在WWF の王座の5回目のタイトルを取ったと。それと IWGP日本ももちろん非
smarter, wiser, faster, and more powerful in the ring. The WWF title is just a stepping stone. I want the IWC belt today. 自分は頭が良くて強くてスマートな男だと今日は絶対に負けてくれてみんなに教える But good luck anyway Thank you Ichiban! So now they have their match No titles on the line Hogan wins it So after the event's over Little press conference And instead of Hogan Who may have thought throughout the day Brother Vince isn't going to be happy What I said earlier Brother Here's my chance to wrong or right Nah, instead, Hogan doubles down, calling the WWF Championship a toy, a trinket. Five times World Wrestling Federation Champion. This belt is just a toy. It's like a trinket on a Christmas tree, like an ornament. The belt that I want is the one that the great Muta has, the IWGP belt. Because when Hulk Hogan wins the IWGP Championship, which he should have right now, it will prove that New Japan Pro Wrestling and Hulk Hogan is the greatest, the greatest partners in the world because I want all the great wrestlers to come to me and I want them to come to Japan where I can wrestle and not bullshit. I want to wrestle and prove that I'm the best. The best part about all of this, if you go back to the dirt sheets in 93, you didn't really have too many magazines covering that because it was more kayfabe at the time. But if you go and you check out some of the newsletters, uh, Hogan in the States claimed that he was misquoted. Vince was fucking irate. This started to spread around underground in the dirt sheets. And Hogan said, you know, I was misquoted, brother. I didn't say that. There was no internet at that time. There was no fucking websites to expose this. And a lot of us, we didn't even know about this until a, a time later. Because all you really got a chance to see it through was tape trading. And then, you know, the footage would leak out later on. But it was pretty funny to look back at that and Hogan claiming that he was misquoted. That was pretty funny. But anyway, match results from that night. Akira Nogami, El Samurai, and Takayuki Izuka over Hiroshi Yamamoto, Osamu Nishimura, and Satoshi Kojima. Michayoshi Ohara over Akitoshi Saito. Yeah, Brutus Beefcake with Jimmy Hart in his corner over Masa Saito. Great Kabuki, Kengo Kimura and Kunayaki Kobayashi, alone with Hamashi, um, Mahashi Ayogi and Shiro Koshinaka. They defeated Asurahara, Hiro Saito, the Super Strong Machine, Takashi Ishikawa, and Tatsayoshi Goto. Tiger Mask of Adrushin Donalagar. Sting and Scott Norton wrestled to a no contest, and I know what you're going to say right away. Wait a minute. Hulk was the WWF champion? How did Sting wrestle on the same show? What's going on there? Happened many times back then. So nobody ever knows about it. Yoshiaki Fujiwara and Hiroshi Hase. They fought and Fujiwara wins. Hellraisers, Hawk Warrior and Power Warrior over Masahiro Chono and Shinya Hashimoto. As I said earlier, Hogan over the great Muta. And Antonio Inoki, along with Tatsumi Fujinami, they defeated Junichiro Tenru and Ricky Choshu. 1994, we had Wrestling Dontaku from Fukuoka, Japan. This event it was a big deal. At the time, we didn't think it was, but we quickly realized that we, had, we were going to have the abrupt end of Ravishing Rick Rude's in-ring career. And I've talked on the other shows over the years about Lloyd's of London uh, policies, and some wrestlers who had these policies at the time, they cashed in and they could have been ready for an in-ring return, but 
the minute they hit that ring, that policy that's paying out is no longer valid. And then you also, on top of it, didn't want to take the chance of uh, being accused of fraud. You know, didn't apply to many people. But if you go back then, you'll you'll see a lot of wrestlers had these Lloyds of London policy. And I write with Lloyds of London, so I know all about these policies very well. You can ensure, you know, your, your wrestling career, some legendary um, actresses and athletes and singers have these contracts. Didn't Jennifer Lopez, like, insure her ass or her legs? Somebody did. But, yeah, that's the policy. And uh, during this event, Rick Rude defeated Sting to win the WCW International title. And there was a spot outside the ring. I've watched this match many times. If anybody goes back to the VHS days, how many of you bought on eBay the best of uh, Ravishing Rick Rude in Japan or the best of Sting in Japan? This match was always featured on those tapes. But there was a spot gone wrong outside the ring, injured his neck, didn't think too much at the time, but not only would he have to relinquish the belt, but uh, he would be forced into retirement. Other matches on that card, Satoshi Kojima over Yuji Nagata, El Samurai and Tokimitsu Ijizawa over Shinjiro Otani and Tatsuhito Takayawa, Osamu Kido, Takayuki Izuka and Akira Nogami over Goto Akitoshi Saito and Mitrayoshi Ohara. Kengo Kimura, the great Kabuki, and Konayaki Kobayashi over Hiro Saito, Shinji Nakano, and Norio Onaga. El Gigante over Tadayo Izuda. Jushin Dunalaga uh, went to a 10 minute time limit draw against Satoru Sayama. Shiro Koshinaka over Yoshiaki Yatsu. For the IWGP tag titles, Hawk Warrior and a Power Warrior retained, defeating the Steiner Brothers. Masahiro Chono over Yoshiaki Fujiwara, Ricky Choshu over Hiroshi Hase, and Toto Inoki over the great Muta, and for the IWGP heavyweight title, Shinya Hashimoto over Tatsumi Fujinami. 1995, same event from Fukuoka, Japan, Yuji Nagata over Manabu Nakanishi. And by the way, after this, I think we have maybe one or two Japanese events later on in the show to cover, but for the most part, we'll be done and we can start getting into some more audio fun. About a minute. Yuji Nagata over Manabu Nakanichi, El Samurai and Takayuki Yuzuka over Akira Nagami and Noro Honaga. Uh, Wild Pegasus, Chris Benoit over Two Cold Scorpio. For the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title, Sabu wins the belt, defeating Koji Kanemoto. Junji Hirata over Hiro Saito. The Steiner Brothers over Hawk Warrior and Scott Norton. Shiro Koshinaka and Terry Funk over Hiromichi Fayuki and Masahiro Chono. Rick Flair over Hiroshi Hase, Antonio Inoki and Koji Katao over Genichiro Tenru and Riki Choshu, Kenzuki Sazaki over Hiroshi Tenzan, and for the IWGP heavyweight title, Kijimuto defeats Shinya Hachimoto to become the new champion. Now, last week was the anniversary of Hunter Hearst Helmsley making his WWF in-ring debut. So one week later, we get another promo, another vignette from Triple H. And this one had to do with civility and talk about awesome mic skills at the time. Uh, think of it. Civility. <clears throat> Are you listening? I don't think so. I 
remember watching that and I was like, um, what the fuck was that? Uh, I guess we sort of said the same thing as well the same week, this week in 95, but it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be. You know, up until this point, we knew Chris Candido mostly because of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and uh, he was going to be coming into the WWF with Tammy Sitch. They were going to be Skip and Sonny to Body Donnas, and this week we started seeing the vignettes of them coming into the WWF, and it was funny because they would make fun of everybody, everybody's fat, the vignette this week, you know, they're acting like they could see us through their TV screen and they're making fun of us. And, you know, look, a year later, they were the WWF cha- tag champs, Skip and Zip. You know, it got a little hokey in, in the end and it was cool to see him in the ECW after and, you know, doing a triple threat. But uh, this week in 95, we, we learned that the Body Donnas were coming to the WWF. Now we get to 1996. If you want to see a really sick, hardcore match involving Mick Foley, Cactus Jack. Go out of your way to watch this. If you've never seen it before, it is available online. Just look up the FMW 7th anniversary show from Kawasaki Kanagawa, Japan. He wrestled, I don't even, can't say wrestle. He fought Wing Kanemura. They fought in the Caribbean barbed wire, barricade spider net, Glass Deathmatch for the IWA King of the Deathmatch Championship. It is a sick fucking match. I originally put a screenshot in the synopsis, and it's just, you you see it, and it's like, this guy crazy? I mean, we knew he was crazy, but when you always heard rumors of the shit going down in Japan, this is one of the matches to see. Trust me on this one. And if you've never seen it before and you watch it, after you hear me saying this, please let me know what you thought about it. Other match results from that night, Jason the Terrible over Nanjo Hayato, Chaparita, Azari, and Yumi Fukawa over Noyori Nakayama and Aki Kanbayashi. My Japan's getting there, everybody. Kamikaze, Katsuyoshi Niyama, and Wild Shooter over Daisuke Ikida, Shochi Funaki, and Tetsuhiro Kuroda. The Rock and Roll Express, along with Ricky Fuji over the Crypt Keeper, Freddy Krueger, and the Boogeyman. Ryoma Go and Samurai Max over Maijin and Silver X. You had Takamichi Noku win the FMW Independent World Junior Heavyweight title, defeating Koji Nakagawa. In a street fight, Chigusa Nagayo uh, defeated Shark Suchia. Hideki Hosaka. Hito and Matsuhiro Matsunaga over Miguel Perez, Shoji Nakamaki, and Toyo. Super Leather and the Headhunters over Hasakatsu Oya, Horace Boulder, which you would later know as uh, Horace Hogan, and The Gladiator. That was for the FMW World Street Fight six-man tag team titles. As I said earlier, Cactus Jack defeated Wing Kanemura, uh, Nagumi Kudo over Combat Toyota. This was a no ropes exploding barbed wire death match for the FMW Independent and WWA World Women's Championships. And the main event, 1 million yen, no ropes exploding barbed wire double hell exploding death match. This was a sick fucking match as well. Mr. Pogo and Terry Funk, they defeated Hayabusa and Matsato Tanaka. It is a sick fucking match. I'm telling you, if you've never seen this card, watch it. Now, while this is all going on, what's the storyline, the big storyline in the WWF? 
don't know if you remember this, but Shawn Michaels, you know, feuding with the British Bulldog. They had Diana Hart get involved with it, trying to play off that Shawn Michaels may have the hearts for Diana Hart or vice versa. And we started to get this storyline that Shawn Michaels was a womanizer. And just a random hokey clip. This week in 96, we got this. Let me tell you the truth about the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is a homewrecker. Shawn Michaels ruined my marriage. Shawn Michaels ruined my life. I'll tell you how it happened. My ex-husband was a professional wrestler and was on the road a lot. Shawn knew that. One day when Fred was on the road, Sean called me up and said that he needed to discuss a problem that he had with me. So I invited him over. Well, Sean didn't want to discuss a problem that we had. Sean wanted to discuss me and him. Well, the discussion got pretty heated. Well, it got downright hot. And Sean and I were close and he smelled so good and he is so gorgeous. Well, we ended up going to bed together. He was incredible. He was the best I ever had. And after he held me and told me how special I was and how important I was to him, yeah, I found out how important. The next time for the week me and Sean were in the ring together, couldn't concentrate. He knew what had happened. He ended up losing the match. Sean got exactly what he wanted. Sean never called again. Sean just used me and threw me out like an old shoe. Sean didn't need me. And now I see him doing... Oh, God awful. God awful. 1997, Onita FMW comes to the United States, comes to Stamford, Connecticut, meets with Vince McMahon and Jim Ross. Why? Because of the idea that maybe they could bring an exploding death match to the World Wrestling Federation. You know, keep in mind the time frame, the Monday Night Wars, WWF attitude, you know, really trying to take this shit to the next level. Well, you know, Onita talked about the idea of maybe having Cactus Jack versus Terry Funk in an exploding match. There was rumors that it could happen at the Garden. Uh, obviously, they never solidified. You know, over the years, I always wanted to hear. Uh, I don't want to mention any shows, but... You got some people who worked in the WWF at the time, and they're always saying to people online, you know, give us topics to talk about. And I thought this would be an interesting topic to talk about. And maybe someone has covered it since, you know, me and a lot of other people requested it. But I know a lot of people that wanted to hear, you know, what went down with these discussions with FMW. Maybe the, the answer is very simplistic and quick. But it would have been interesting to hear how serious it was possibly to bring a match like this in the WWF, you know, but we know, as far as I know, nobody's ever really gotten into all that all that much. 
Now, Onita would end up working something out with uh, Paul Heyman, and we would have ECW and FMW get into it a little bit. You know, the match that happened in Japan, I think it was with December of 97, it was okay. I don't think it was anywhere what we thought it could be. But still, you know, one could wonder what would have happened if WWF did, in fact, have an exploding death match. 1998, Christian would make his WWF in-ring de- debut. It was at a house show in Canada, and he wrestled, I believe, under his real name. But this was Christian's first ever match in the WWF. And who did he wrestle? I think we could all figure that out. He wrestled Edge. And I think he may have actually wrestled under his real name as well. Because we started to get the vignettes later on of the coming of Edge in the WWF. It may have even happened this week as well. In fact, it did. The same week that they were having uh, Christian's debut match in Canada at a house show, we saw vignettes on Raw of Edge coming to the WWF. And these were the vignettes where he's like sitting by the train and outside and running through the streets with a goofy overcoat. And, you know, look, the rest is history. But you see when Edge first came in compared to what he ended up being, you know, total transformation. But still, pretty cool. Because you realize how many years later. And Christian, uh, we will have some audio clips involving Christian a little bit later in this show. Anyway, same week, we had ECW's Wrestlepalooza 98 take place in uh, Marietta, Georgia. The BWO over the FBI, just incredible over Mikey Whipwreck. For the ECW tag titles, Chris Candido and Lance Storm, they retained the belts, defeating Bowles Mahoney and Axel Rotten. Bam Bam Bigelow over New Jack. You had Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman over the Dudleys. For the ECW World Heavyweight Championship, uh, Shane Douglas retains over Al Snow. And I always remember that match because of, uh, you know, after the match was over, um, they threw all the styrofoam heads, and then you had uh, wrestlers holding Shane Douglas on their shoulders, holding Al Snow on their shoulders, and the fans are cheering both. And we would realize that Al Snow would be exiting and ultimately showing up in the WWF. Other match on the card for the ECW TV title, Rob Van Dam and Sabu fought to a time limit draw, something you don't normally see on pay-per-views anymore. Also in 1998, we got two audio clips coming in a moment. One is god-awful. Train wreck, must hear. Second one is a match that I loved from top to bottom that took place on Raw, a match that you never hear ever get any airplay anymore. And uh, very entertaining, especially the commentary. And I shared it once before, and I remember a lot of people like, wow, I didn't even know this match ever went down. It's it's fun. It's fun. a fun match. But first, All Japan had the 25th anniversary show from Tokyo. If you like old school Japanese wrestling, this is a card worth checking out. Satoru Asako over Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Monakia Mossman over Daisuke Akita. Jumbo Suruta. Mitsuo Mamota and Russia Kimura over Haruka Aijin, Masanobu Fuchi, and Taisayoshi Kikuchi. The Headhunters over Shigeo Akimura and Toman Honda. Johnny Smith and Wolf Hawkfield over Gato and Jado. Akira Tao, Mighty Inoi, and Takara Mori over Hideki Osaka, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, and, and the Gladiator Mike Awesome. Yeah, Gary Albright and Dr. Death Steve Williams over Masahito Kakihara and Yoshihiro Takayama. Giant Baba, 
Hayabusa and Kataro Shiga over the great Kimala, Jinzei Shinzaiki and Junz Izumida. Jun Akayama over Hiroshi Hase, uh, Johnny Ace and Kenta Kobashi over Stan Hansen and Vader. And for the Triple Crown title, Toshiaki Kawada wins the title, defeating Matsuharu Masawa. Now, as I played earlier uh, at the beginning of the show, this week in 98, we had that backstage vignette conversation between Paul Bear and Jerry Lawler. It was funny because after that vignette, Jerry Lawler apologizes. Oh, I didn't know that this footage aired and it was supposed to further the storyline, but I think that was, you know, the, the beginning thoughts of doing GTV types of segments. It was pretty funny. So also in 98, we had uh, uh, playboy had a magazine that would come out monthly called the wet and wild edition. A Playboy was very relaxed as far as the nudity goes. It was more art than like the more hardcore magazines like Hustler and others. But this week in 98, uh, an issue of Wet n' Wild went on sale and we found out that Kimberly, Kimberly Page, was featured in this magazine. Now, there are photos of her pictorial online. If you're 18 or over and you want to see them, very, very beautiful. Very beautiful. But... uh Jitgel rags were flowing in 1998. Trust me when I tell you. Now we get to clip number one. Only runs about five minutes long. It, Like I said, clusterfuck. Anybody remembers the O.J. Simpson trial? You remember the attorney, Marsha Clark, that was, you know, representing state of California, you know, trying to convict O.J. Simpson. And, and we all know the outcome of the trial but a lot of the attorneys involved in the OJ trial were trying to become entertainers. Is that the right way to put it? Or maybe, you know, like getting into TV. And this week in 98, Fox used to air a TV show called Lie Detector. And Lie Detector would talk about, you know, different topics. You know, it was more corny, lighthearted, but it was god-awful. And Marsha Clark was the host. And basically, they would choose a topic. They would put somebody under a lie detector test. And as they asked the questions, they showed the results on TV. And you got some matarats that's basically trying to interpretate the results, telling us, you know, if it looks truthful. And then at the end, Marsha Clark basically says, you know, if the person was lying or telling the truth and blah, 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 blah. This week, we got the pro wrestling version of it. And Captain Lou Albano was given a lie detector test. God rest his soul. That guy tried to protect the business to the day he died. Very, very old school. You all know that. I don't even need to say it. But basically, Marsha Clark was, at, you know, they tested him to see if he's lying and if pro wrestling was fake. Or if it's real. I know, you know, we hate using the word fake. Trust me, people hated it in the 70s and the 80s. You remember the John Stossel and the other TV things. And I still have that footage with Buddy Roberts fucking putting that that old guy, that reporter, I can't remember his name right now, from Channel 9, to put him in the figure four and they claimed he tore up his knee. You know, just so many of them wrestling fake. Well, anyway, Marsha Clark asked Lou Albano if wrestling's fake, and uh, this is what went down. This story is about professional wrestling. Is it a sport or is it theater? 
Throughout his 46-year reign as Captain Lou, Lou Albano has remained silent when asked the all-important question that's on the minds of so many American sports fans. Is pro wrestling fake? He's one of the most recognizable figures in the world of professional wrestling. A world of spectacle, violence, and high television ratings. Household names such as Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant have called him mentor. The pro wrestling world calls him captain. Ladies and gentlemen, Captain Lewis Albano. Perhaps the phrase that best describes him is ambassador of the audacious. The referee, I believe, there's Albano. But throughout his 30-year reign, Captain Lou has remained silent when asked the overriding question in the minds of the American sports fan. Is pro wrestling real? Or is it staged? Captain Lou, what makes a person want to become a wrestler? Well, first of all, I feel it's a very prestigious sport, and I do refer to it as a sport. Some people say exhibition of sport. Uh, the fine is one of the finest sports in the world. The money is huge today. The market is open. The WWF, for example, has over 500 million people a week watch it in over 100 countries in seven languages. So uh, it's prestigious. The money is great. Uh, you're out there, and it's, it's a great way of life. So it is a very violent sport, and you know that a large part of your audience is teens. Yes. So what kind of a message do you think all that violence sends to them? But I believe the, the level of violence in professional wrestling is no greater than in hockey, where they whack each other once in a while with a club, or football, professional football, and wrestlers are the same way. They're great, great athletes. So the level of violence is there, but I don't believe it is that bad an example for kids, as many of you look at some of these uh, motion pictures, where you see a guy whacking out 30 or 40 people. I think that that's more violent than watching a guy going in with skill trying to wrestle. Well, how do you react then when people, knowing how you feel about wrestling, how do you react when people say that it's fixed? Well, they can make any statement they want. We can say a lot of things, but they, uh, you know, don't have to be true. They're fallacies. Uh, all I tell them is if you don't really like it, you don't appreciate well, then don't watch it. Well... Have you ever personally, in your experience, been in a wrestling match that was fixed? No, I wouldn't do that. I did the best I could, and these fellas that beat me really could beat me. Well, so it's your position then that wrestling is not fixed? No. They're great, great athletes. It's a great sport. Not fixed? Not fixed. All right. Are you willing to go to a polygraph and answer that question? I am willing to go to a polygraph. I am willing to put my reputation on the line as Captain Lou Albano, that wrestling is not a fixed sport. They're the finest athletes in the world. I've never thrown a match. I know wrestling is real. I know it's right where it is. It's the greatest thing in the world. I'm right there, polygraph. If the machine, I, the machine would have to be a liar to catch me off guard because I know I'm not a liar. Remain still. The test is about to begin. Are you now sitting down? Yes. Do you plan to tell the truth on this test about whether or not you were involved in a professional wrestling match that was fixed? Yes. Did you ever engage in a professional wrestling match in which the winner was predetermined before the match? No. This is a single issue test. All the questions ask the same thing. As a professional, have you ever wrestled in a fixed match? No. This is a very similar question. We're looking for consistency of reactivity. 
test is over. Remain still for 10 seconds, please. Captain Lou, we now have the results of your polygraph examination. Are you ready to hear the results? Yes. Our results have shown that when you said you did not participate in a professional wrestling match that was fixed, you were lying. The machine is a liar! I never participated! Even when told he's lying, Captain Lou's reaction is larger than life. Our results have shown that Captain Lou Albano did indeed participate in a professional wrestling match that was fixed. Well, I'll tell you, I don't believe that. I'm going to cut you off. I'll take this to court because the machine is a downright liar. I don't lie. I did not participate in any match that was fixed. Sports or theater? I was not lying. I don't lie. The machine was a fault. Just remember, it's pure theater. You're a liar, lady! The machine's a liar! Like I said, it was so awful, it was entertaining. And rest in peace, Captain Albano. Guy fucking made me laugh so much back in the day. <laughs> Amazing. That guy was just funny shit. Now we get to a match that I enjoyed tremendously this week in 98. Now, it's no secret Terry Funk is my favorite wrestler of all time. Now, the storyline at this time is, you know, Mick Foley was beloved. You know, Cactus Jack... Mankind, Mick Foley, you know, when dude love, you know, it's sort of a heel, I guess you could say. And, you know, Vince McMahon is at odds with Steve Austin. And basically Mick Foley wants to fight Steve Austin for the WWF championship. And Vince McMahon this week on Raw in 98 basically told Mick Foley that you have to prove yourself and prove that you deserve a, a shot at Steve Austin and WWF title. So up until this point, they really sold how Terry Funk, Chainsaw Charlie, was Mick Foley's best friend. So Vince McMahon forced Mick Foley and Terry Funk to battle it out on Monday Night Raw. And the special guest referee was Pat Patterson, who was one of Vince's stooges. And they had Steve Austin on commentary. So sit back and relax for a little while. Here is Mick Foley versus Terry Funk. And love Steve Austin's commentating and also love the little special effects as well. Basically, the WWF and Vince were trying to cut Steve Austin's mic. Funny shit. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, the special referee for this contest, World Wrestling Federation Hall of Famer, Pat. Patterson. What? What in the hell is this crap? I guess... Uh, Mr. JR, are you behind this? Oh, heck no. I guess Mr. McMahon must have signed uh, the Hall of Famer to officiate this matchup. Please tell me this is one hell of a rip. Well, I don't think it is. I think he's here. This he's is Mr. A- McMahon's idea. I'll tell you that much right now. Look at him. Well, that wouldn't this, surprise me. This, oh, ring the bell with a stupid little haircut. No hose barred. Falls count anywhere. One fall to a finish. Between Mick Foley and Terry Funk, and as uh, I guess uh, I didn't—I never thought this would ever happen again. Quite frankly. Well, you know when he says uh, he turned on his friend, hey, you got to do what you got to do in this sport. And I, you know, I, I respect the fact that they want to be buddies and all that, but this is pro wrestling. You either go in there and beat yeah. someone's ass, or you get your ass beat, and that's just the way it is. Well, speaking of that, were, were you upset about what happened to Gerald Briscoe last week? What happened to him? What? What? This man hit him with the belt. Look out! Oh, look out! Oh, Vince was trying to hit me in the back of the head with the belt. It backfired on him. Vince is never going to get rid of me as long as he lives. Hard that right hand by Mick Foley on Terry Funk. And remember, uh, I thought that Vince McMahon really uh, 
Well, politically correct, I'll say he motivated Foley in this match. I don't think Foley was going to do it until McMahon gave him a pet talk. Well, they needed to give him a pet talk, and it looks like it's woke him up because he's a hell of a vicious individual when he wants to be. Like I said, Cactus Jack, dude, love it, don't matter what you call him. He's one tough guy. That is unbelievable. Oh, look at the dent in that, in that chair. Oh, and the cranium, my God. And there's blood all over that chair. That's what a 53-year-old man can do when he gets pissed off. Terry Funk ain't no... Well, remember... He's a chopped liver. What? Big man said that it... That for, for Mick Foley to prove himself to be worthy of the number one contender, he's got to be Terry Funk. Let me tell you something. Uh, Vince McMahon can say to him all he wants to. It looks like it has motivated uh, Mick Foley. But the fact of the matter is he really doesn't give a rat's ass who knocks Stone Cold Steve Austin off the top of the world. Uh -oh, it really doesn't matter who it is. And Jack needs to wake up and realize that. Well, he's doing what McMahon said. McMahon said that Jack had to, he had to rip Funk limb from limb. He had to reach into his chest and rip his heart out. I think he's realizing that now. Look at this. Hopefully he'll do it. You know, Terry Funk was oh, Mick Foley's boyhood hero. And I don't think Vince McMahon cares about that around all over us. Monitors flying everywhere. Stone Cold, you think that Mick Foley should be the number one contender for your title? Well, you know, I really don't care who the number one contender is. It really doesn't matter what I think. If Vince McMahon lines, lines someone up for me, then I'm going to wrestle him. It really doesn't matter what I think. But I think what dude love, Mick Foley, whatever you want to call him, is trying to prove to Vince McMahon that he's willing to sacrifice anything to get another shot at the WWF title because it is that important in professional wrestling. So in other words, you're admitting there was no conspiracy between McMahon and Cactus Jack or Mick Foley. Or you know, at this point, I really don't know what to say. What's it? Are they... Now, do you understand what I'm saying? Something's wrong with your mic there. I'm not. Well, you're damn right. Some defense back there pulling some buttons or something because y'all never have technical difficulties when you're out here by yourself. But I'm, I can't. I can't. Listen, I can't hear it. Your microphone's out. Well, they just took the king's mic. Now this one's broken. And that's broke. Well, and we got this war all there. over us out here. We got. Yeah, now can well, you hear me now? Here, use this set. Mine's not working. What the hell's going on here? These guys are killing each other. If they're going to kill each other, I got to be sitting here. See, that's your, your mic's messed up. I don't know system. what the heck's wrong with Someone it. It's messed up. Someone needs to go to the this up because it's starting to piss me off. We got a ready to kill somebody, your mic. and I can't even describe it to you. Steve, you're, I'm sorry, but they, they don't think they you heard what you said. to do with it. They went... Stick somebody, help me out here. Thank God. This is the world wrestling. Oh, it's just you messing with my damn words. You got the buttons. I got no buttons to do nothing. I swear I'm not doing anything but my job. I got Foley bear. Foley just got rammed and his head's bleeding. What the hell's Hitting going upstairs. On? Folks gonna have a chair. Hit him with the chair again. Someone's they're just beating the living hell out of each other. You're damn right, that's what it's all about. Falls down anyway. That's the most brutal match you can have. Funk with that left hand. 
And Mick Foley's going to try to do anything he can to be the number one contender for the WWE title. This is a hell of a fight. This is what the WWF is all about, in my opinion. Can you hear a damn thing I'm saying? Part of it. Well, you better not be a part of this because I'm gonna beat your ass, tear your little glasses up, and shove your head, your little head so far up your ass, you won't be able to find a damn thing after about two weeks. Got a pile drive on the floor. You're gonna break the He back drops it out of it. The concrete falls in a backdrop. Let me tell you something, Jim. If Mick Foley, whatever you want to call him, does beat Terry Funk, will he be in shape to fight Steve Austin? Because Terry Funk's tearing him limb from limb. Well, we still don't know what's going to happen at Over the Edge, and this is Over the Edge, and we're not even near Milwaukee. Oh, oh, the rubbing went down. Well, you might as well face it. Mick Foley might not be able to fight another day because Terry Funk has opened up a can of Lopez, whether I like it or not. He's raising hell tonight, and that's the bottom line. They're fighting off through the, the fans here. You know, Vince McMahon shot. Oh, hell yeah. You think that we got a little blood, we got some beer, we got one hell of a show going on right now. This is quality entertainment. This is what the WWF is all about, in my humble opinion. Well, they are just whipping the hell out of each other. The hot dog. I can't see a damn thing. The hot dog guy just got it. The hot dog guy got it. Well, hell, you just talking oh, about oh, is what Vince McMahon has escalated to Mick Foley to. He's finally motivated that piece of trash. Drop all the tie-dyed Get out there, sweat a little bit, and beat somebody's ass. Terry Funk ain't nobody's pushed over 53 or not. The son of a is tough as nails. I'll tell you, McMahon said he wanted Mick Foley to pull Funk's heart out to prove he was worthy of fighting you. That's what McMahon told he, he, uh, You damn right. Well, the way what is he doing? Hell, either one of them him like a piece of meat. Mick Foley's got to realize Vince McMahon doesn't give a rat's ass about him, and you can see what he's going through right now. Hell, Terry Funk's beating his ass. You think Vince McMahon cares about anybody? He don't care about nobody but himself. I know that for a fact. Well, I can't but Terry Funk's mangled body. He may have broken his shoulder, broken his his neck, his heart. He's, okay. oh, you want to have a stinger? Well, I'll tell you what, those neck injuries are deadly. You want to talk about neck injuries, don't even bring that subject up. All right. Now all I can do is get that cash register, get a little money, beat somebody's ass and go to the beer store. This is a hell of a fight. This is quality wrestling. Well, I'll tell you what, it is a, it's a barroom brawl. Silly bat, he should have covered him right there when he had the chance. 
Hell, Mick is so beat up, he can't do a damn thing. Where are we going here? It's Falls Town anywhere. I don't know where, oh, where they're are they going. going? I don't know. We'll get the cameraman to crawl down and follow them. They're, they're going underneath the, the, the bleachers here, underneath this, the seats. Well, we've lost them, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mr. McMahon signed it, and these guys may leave in an ambulance. If they both go to the hospital, he's going to have to pay for that, the cheap son of a that he is. Well, why do you think Pat Patterson was assigned to referee this match? He's not a normal official. He's in McMahon's inner circle. Well, I know it. I think he sucks. He's got a stupid little haircut out there. He's slowing the three count. Oh, ah. Can you believe that? Pile driver right on the steel rail, whatever the hell you call that. We walk down it every day. Oh, that may be it right there. And no, oh. he, can you believe the Terry Funk? His body, he may have broken ribs, internal injuries. He kicked out. It's like I keep telling you, 53 or not, the son of a is still tough as nails. Well, the son of a is a hardcore eleven. I'm sorry, Now huh? you're talking right. Well, I apologize. You just can't help it, can you? Well, you rub off on people. My God, look at this. Can you, what links will Mick Foley go to wrestle for the WWF title? It just shows what it's all about, doesn't it? This is what it's all about, in my opinion, well, and that's what counts. That's, well, Stone Cold, but McMahon has got in Foley's head. McMahon has motivated Foley to assault this this legend, this hardcore legend, and try to end his career. Hell, it's his best friend. Hey, you know what? That's what I like about it. He's finally motivated. Oh, Double close. Oh, oh, they're right out here, right out here by us. us. Look out, ladies and gentlemen. They're right out here by us. Hell, they're bleeding. They're battered and busted up, and now they're tearing up. There we go. Tear this whole, whole damn thing up. Oh. Just leave my damn belt alone. I fought long and hard to get it. Right hand. There you go, Mick. Look out, Hiller. Now you done lowered yourself as far as you can get it. Kick his ass. Terry Funk, look at him. He's about to turn your beer over right oh, there. Tear my damn beer over. Their things are falling apart. Body parts are missing. He's going to come off the apron with the chair. Good God Almighty, don't do it. Don't do it. No! If he covers him, there's no way he can kick it. Now you're, you're pissing with the wrong son of a now. Wait a minute. Here, Steve, don't. Yeah, I got Shut the hell up. I'm commentating this damn match. I'll beat your ass when it's time. You ain't beat him yet. You go beat him, then you've done something. Prove it to McMahon. Prove it to Stone Cold. We don't need a DQ. We need a win or a loss. Hell, I've seen car wrecks on 95. Oh, if I'm next, you ain't got the job done here yet, you stupid son of a And I got to apologize for my language. Usually it's a lot worse than this, but I'm trying to find my manners. There's Stone Cold right there. God. This is killing me, but I, I got to tell you, I love it. Man, I've never seen a more physical matchup in the entire history of Raw in my life. We've got chairs. We've and you got, got Terry Funk tables. still out there fighting for his life. It is absolute carnage. Oh. And there's a double arm DDT. That may be enough. One, One two, two, and Funk kicks out. That old son of a gun kicked out again, and I can't believe it. You're damn right. I keep telling you, it don't matter how old he is. He's tougher than hell. Man, you talk about the king of the hardcores, a hardcore legend. I don't know exactly what that hardcore stuff means, other than he's a he's tougher than shoe lift. You're damn right. I got you. Know, I'm not a Terry Funk fan, but I will say I respect talent. I respect toughness. Now, on the chair. If that ain't it, I don't know what is. He, he done beat his ass from one end of the building to the other and took the same amount of punishment. There's a cover there right go. there. One, two, and three. Oh. Mick Foley has beat his best friend.
face to Vince McMahon. Mick Foley. That was impressive. I bet you Foley really impressed McMahon without Allen. He had to. Oh, Terry Funk. There's that the is tough. That is motivation. That's Mick Foley at his sorry. It's over now. Hey, wait a minute. It's over. It's over now. Mick Foley has beaten the legend. That just shows how bad he wants it. I'm not his fan, but that shows he how sick that poor this. He, he wants it. He I think it's time to, send a to, to you. Why well, hell? He can send a message to me, but I'm gonna send the beer to him. Oh. Well, there goes a rattlesnake. Beverage in hand. The WWF champion. Nineteen ninety nine. This was a shame because I spent a good ninety minutes recording this, editing, trimming it down, just trying to really cram all the great footage for you to enjoy, to give you a good idea, especially for those that never heard it before. And after doing all that work, I deleted it. And the reason being is because after I finished doing everything that I did, I looked at the length and it was forty minutes still. If you've never seen this, or maybe you watched it when it first came out and forgot about it, go online and check this out. This week in 99, A&E came out with a special called The Unreal Story of Pro Wrestling. It was hosted by Steve Allen. And with the exception of Beyond the Mat and Wrestling with Shadows, probably my favorite wrestling documentary that didn't focus on one fed or one individual. It is that good. It is, if you, especially you remember the Monday Night Wars and we're in 1999, they talked about old school, new school, what was going on compared to yesteryear. It really was an awesome documentary. Again, if you've never seen it, go out of your way to watch it. Trust me when I tell you, there will be not one person that hears me say this now that will watch it and say, wow, that was disappointing. It is Arguably one of the best documentaries that was ever been put out. It really was good. I mean, look, is it perfect? No. Did they leave some important aspects out? Obviously. Did they kind of, you know, avoid certain things? Sure. Still, go out of your way to watch it. Also in 1995, we had the Giant Baba Memorial Show from All, uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling. Giant Baba had died earlier in the year uh, of cancer. So they did a nice little tribute show for him. Uh, Toyoshi Kikuchi and Marafuchi over Grand Naniwa and Makoto Hashi. Satoru Sako and Takashi Morishima over Kentaro Shiga and Yoshinabu Kanemura. Kamala too. 
Hiroka Aijin and Juni Zimura over Russia Kimura, Mitsuo Momota, and Maso Inoue. Johnny Smith, Toman Honda, and Masafuchi over Gato Kanemura and Nakagawa. You had Matsuhito Kakihara, Manokea Mossman, and Yoshinori Ogawa battle Great Sasuke, Tiger Mask 4, and Hayabusa to a 30 minute time limit draw. Dr. Dutch Steve Williams, Stan Hansen, and Akira Tao over Gary Albright, Tak- Takao Omori, and Yoshihiro Takayama. Toshiaki Kawada over Hirohase. The Road Warriors, along with Johnny Ace, defeated uh, Kenta Kobashi, Jun Akayama, and Hakushi. In the main event, Masahiro Masawa over Vader to win the All Japan Triple Crown Heavyweight Championship. Wrapping up 1999, we covered recently that uh, the formation of the corporate ministry, the corporation and the Ministry of Darkness, they had uh, all aligned. So to combat it, Mick Foley formed the union. Big Show, Test, Ken Shamrock, and, you know, it was a nice idea, but it got buried very quickly. And watch this week's episode of Raw back in 99. You'll see what I'm talking about. 2000 WCW Thunder. We had the last ever appearance in WCW by the Macho Man Randy Savage. They had a 41-man guerrilla warfare battle royal, and the winner would earn a future WCW Heavyweight Championship match at the Great American Bash. Uh, Ric Flair did win the whole thing. He last eliminated Shane Douglas, but during that match, Randy Savage came out, and that would be his final appearance ever in WCW. 2000 as well, you had backlash by the WWF took place in Washington, D.C. For the tag titles, Edge and Christian retained the belts, defeating Road Dogg and X-Pac. For the light heavyweight championship, Dean Malenko retains, defeated Scotty Tuhati. Big Boss Man and Bobby Cannon over the APA. In a six-man hardcore match for the WWF Hardcore Championship, Crash Holly retains, defeating Hardcore Holly, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Perry Saturn, and Taz. Kurt Angle loses to the Big Show. Test and Albert with Trish in their corner over the Dudleys. For the European Championship, Eddie Guerrero retains over S.A. Rios. For the IC Championship, Chris Benoit retains over Chris Jericho. And for the WWF Championship, Shane McMahon, special guest referee, The Rock, with Steve Austin in his corner, defeats Triple H with Mr. McMahon and Stephanie in their corner. Same week in the U.K., UK-only pay-per-view, WWF had their insurrection, 2000. Too Cool over the Radicals, Perry Saturn and Dean Malenko. Kane over Bobby Cannon, Road Dogg over Bradshaw. In an arm wrestling match, the Cat defeats Terry Reynolds. Big Show and Rikishi over the Dudleys. Kurt Angle over Chris Benoit. For the hardcore title, the British Bulldog defeats Crash Holly to win the belt. For the tag titles, the Hardys over Edge and Christian by disqualification, so the belts do not change hands. For the European Championship, Eddie Guerrero retains defeating Chris Jericho. And in a three-way match for the WWF Championship, The Rock retains defeating Shane McMahon and Triple H. 2001, insurrection once again. Eddie Guerrero over Grandmaster Sex A. Perry Saturn and Dean Malenko over Hardcore Holly and Crash Holly. Bradshaw over The Big Show. In a four-way elimination match, Edge and Christian over The Dudleys, over The Hardys, and X-Factor. Two out of three falls match, Chris Benoit over Kurt Angle. He wins two falls to zero. 
Chris Jericho over William Regal. And the main event, a two-on-one handicap match. The Undertaker defeats Steve Austin and Triple H. 2002 Insurrection from London. Mr. Perfect over Goldust in a dark match. For the IC Championship, Rob Van Dam over Eddie Guerrero by DQ. Jacqueline and Trish Stratus over Jazz and Molly Holly. X-Pac over Bradshaw. Hardcore match for the title. Booker T uh, defeats Steven Richards. The Hardys over Brock Lesnar and Sean Stasiak. For the European Championship, Spike Dudley retains defeating William Regal. Uh, that's, an awesome, uh, that's an upset. In a uh, singles match with Ric Flair as a special guest referee, Steve Austin over the Big Show. And a main event, Triple H over The Undertaker. Now, what was big about this event was not necessarily the event itself, but the plane ride back to the United States. You have heard it a million times talked about the plane ride from hell. Not many wrestlers have come public to talk about it in detail. I know Goldust has made some comments, X-Pac, Just Incredible, you know, a few people. Triple H, very, very brief, nothing major. I thought the person who was the most revealing uh, was Sean Waltman. So I give to you now, I believe this was from a U-shoot. It only runs about five minutes long, but it's very interesting. Uh, X-Pac, who was on the plane ride from hell, and he also cut... Michael Hayes' ponytail off at the time. So here is X-Pac talking about the plane ride from hell. Dude, the plane ride from hell? I've been on worse fucking commercial flights than that. Really? But this was pre-9-11 days when you could get away with a lot more shit. I mean, I've seen fucking guys get their shoelaces lit on fire and crazy shit, man. But um, yeah, no, the, the plane ride from hell... Everybody had their little fucking different little deals they were doing, and some people were doing GHB, and, you know... Um, what started it? What was the event you would say that precipitated that attitude? It was just attitude? brewing, man. It was yeah. fucking brewing. Uh, guys were getting, like I said, getting G'd up and fucking pilled up and whatever, guys. I mean, you know, guys were doing their thing. And... Um, Kurt Henning was always very competitive, you know, and he knew, you know, him and Brock, we all were like kind of, we all hung out because we all lived in Minnesota. And, uh, but, you know, Kurt and fucking Brock got the tussle on and went into the emergency door, which obviously, like, they made a huge deal out of it. And uh, the fucking door, it's impossible for it to open in that altitude. So it was really stupid to me to make it. It was okay when Vince and fucking Kurt Angle, like the flight before that, fucking had a takedown tournament in the aisle. But like as soon as it happened with them, they made a huge deal out of it. Then fucking Flair comes out in his robe, fucking balls naked with his fucking robe on, strutting down the aisleway. Uh, JBL and... and um, JBL and, 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 oh yeah, yeah, no, first, Michael Hayes, he almost pissed on Linda McMahon in the, in the fucking, he was like all fucked up, and he's gone, and he's like this, and he's like trying to whip his dick out, like piss on, he don't know it's Linda, he thinks he's at the fucking bathroom. And he's wow. like, wait a minute, wait a minute, and he just keeps saying, wait a minute, over and over again, finally somebody got him. Did she ever see what was... I can't imagine or not. 
I mean, I'm not the only one that can verify oh, this fucking God. story. So, <laughs> what was his gimmick, booze? I can't say what his gimmick necessarily. To be was. that out of it that you don't recognize Probably the boss's wife. The same thing. A lot of us, the rest Jesus. of us, were. We were Probably that GHB. Well, it was right. a natural. You could buy it in this health food store. This yellow precursor to GHB, like that was. I mean, it was legal, so that was the reason why everybody was doing it. You know, but it fucked you up. And so apparently, the story goes that he did something. He, I had a match with Bradshaw, and uh, in England for the pay-per-view, and he got some color. So he had this big old fucking gaff mark on his head. And Michael Hayes, you know the Freebird names thing, mm -hmm. where they always go like that. He was like, boom! He fucking named named uh, Bradshaw really hard. And the story goes that Bradshaw fucking clocked him and knocked him out. I didn't see that part, but it sounds good. On the plane ride? Yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, and um, so as he's out cold, I'm like, I knew he had been fucking burying me in the in the booking meetings, and I'd had it out with him several times in front of people because I resented the fact that he was volunteering Edge and. Christian and Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy to do these fucking ridiculous fucking stunts on these TLC matches on Raw, man. They were putting those fucking guys on Raw every night doing those things for a while. And I'm like, I hear him going, yeah, it'd be great if right there and da 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 da. Michael's good as job, but he's getting a little overzealous fucking volunteering guys that fall 20 fucking five feet, man. And I'm like, why don't you fucking do it? You know, before you start fucking... And I said, why don't you let these guys come up with their own fucking match? How the fuck are they ever going to learn how to do anything if you're fucking dictating what they should do? And you're not even telling them why. You know? You're not telling them why they should do it that way. You just tell them to do it that way. And that's how you keep people dependent on you because you don't fucking teach them why. So they got to keep coming to you to ask them what the... That's kind of like the Flair fucking Sting and Flair Lex thing. Lex and Sting always had great matches with Flair because he always told him what to do, but he never told him why. So but you anyway. said this to him. You, you said this oh, to God, yeah. Hayes. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so I'm like, oh, God. He's got that fucking thing in a fucking ponytail, that mullet. You know, he was still rocking the mullet, you know. Yeah. Still pretty much is. And I'm like, somebody gave me a pair of scissors. And I remember Lawler over there just fucking just giggling. And he's like, oh, fucking Hayes put the screws to like Brian, you know, Lawler's son and he knew it and, and everybody's like, no, 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 you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. And I fucking grabbed them scissors like I was pulling a fucking pair of <laughs> tape, bra tape brass knocks out of my fucking tights, you know. And I was like, this with the scissors and everybody's looking and they don't think I'm going to do it. And I grabbed that fucking tail and I lifted up like the nice one, whack. And the whole crowd, the fucking old plane just erupted like, yeah. And then I posted it on the wall at TV the next day, auctioned it off. There? Yeah. <laughs> Wrapping up 2002, this would be the last time that we would ever know the World Wrestling Federation as the WWF. 
they were in the midst of these big lawsuits with the World Wildlife Fund at the time, and WWF would be forced to change their name. That is the reason why we ultimately have right now WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment. Now, before anybody asks, I agree. If you're going to claim this, that maybe over the years, WWF would have still changed their name to World Wrestling Entertainment because Vince McMahon has always felt that his product is sports entertainment going back to the 80s, for sure. There's old interviews that he did back in the mid-80s where he calls it sports entertainment. But because of the lawsuit with the World Wildlife Fund, they had to change their initials. And for a short period of time, the World Wrestling Federation became the World Wrestling Federation Entertainment, the WWFE. It just was one letter too many. And then they would have that whole promotion, get the F out. Remember that? Get the F out. So the WWFE would ultimately be the WWE. That's what we have today. Now, 2003, sadly, this week in history, you had the passing of Miss Elizabeth. And, you know, it was a tragedy, obviously. A lot of tragedies over the years. Now, this clip did not air this week in history. Obviously, it was a few weeks later. But since this is the anniversary of Miss Elizabeth's passing, I'm going to share it with you now. You know, WWF at that time had a very... Uh, controversial show at times, pun intended, called Confidential. And they did a segment on the death of Miss Elizabeth and also the arrest of Lex Luger. You know, everybody always remembers that once Miss Elizabeth died, that, you know, police went inside the house and they found all these steroids and drugs, and that's why they arrested Lex Luger. But a lot of people seem to forget a couple of weeks before, you know, it was alleged that Lex Luger assaulted Miss Elizabeth. And if you know where to look, you could still pull the police reports. I know I have them saved. I would never put them publicly. It's just after all these years, it's just not appropriate. But when you do the reading from that arrest, it's pretty fucked up. Obviously, the assault had nothing to do with her passing. It was narcotics and I think alcohol as well. But I'm going to share with you now. Uh, the best quality I could possibly offer this is from my own collection. This is from WWF Confidential talking about the tragic death of Miss Elizabeth. The world of sports entertainment was deeply saddened this past week by the untimely death of the first lady of wrestling, Miss Elizabeth, Elizabeth Hewlett. Immediately, rumors began to swirl as to the exact cause of death. Autopsy results are due in a couple of weeks, but a Cobb County spokesperson said, quote, at this point, we don't know if it's a suicide, we don't know if it's a natural death, and we don't know if it's a homicide. Right now, as far as the police department is concerned, we'll be on hold until the medical examiner does an autopsy and sends off toxicology and gets those reports back. While Elizabeth outwardly was a beautiful, happy woman, apparently her personal life was filled with turmoil. I really don't know what made Miss Elizabeth happy. A lot of people may think that being in the business she seemed happy, but I don't know if that's true. I don't know if she ever really found it because she was always the passenger when I was around. She was never the driver. Her on-screen character was that of a damsel in distress. Ironically, that is exactly what she became in her real life. Elizabeth's real-life marriage to macho man Randy Savage eventually became a mirror image of their on-screen relationship. Hi, Elizabeth is beautiful, isn't she? Don't you talk too quick, McMahon. Macho man hears this broadcast, you'll be in trouble. Well, the macho man is a little on the possessive side. Oh, wait a minute. Look at this. 
What in the world does Elizabeth see in the macho man? I have no idea. In the marriage she was in, uh, both professionally uh, as well as personally, she was smothered to a certain extent in terms of her marriage to the macho man, Randy Savage. He was overprotective both as the character you saw on television and in real life. Well, she related my wife in several different situations. She felt overprotected, that it was overprotection to an obsession in some different cases. Was Savage and Elizabeth's relationship love or obsession? Whatever it was, it wasn't working. In 1992, Elizabeth and Randy filed for divorce. Following their divorce, Elizabeth continued to manage, but soon after decided to take a break from the World Wrestling Federation. She kept in contact with my wife once in a while. I think she was kind of like searching. I don't think she really found the groove. I don't think, I don't know she really became happy or found that place where she really, really wanted to be. Elizabeth stayed out of the wrestling spotlight for more than four years. In 1996, Hulk Hogan introduced Elizabeth into the WCW. When Elizabeth left here, I dare say life probably changed for her. And I don't know any of the particulars other than when she was here, there was a very caring environment. You know, we all look out for each other and it's one big family. And when she went to WCW, as it was known then, there wasn't the same family. It wasn't the same caring. And she probably was looked different upon than she was when she was here. She was probably looked as a commodity like anything else. I'm not saying that's, that's horrible, but it was just a different environment altogether. And I guess life didn't turn out too well. WCW is where Elizabeth first began to work with Lex Luger. Their on-screen relationship became something more. While the details of their relationship are still sketchy, it is known that less than two weeks prior to her death, Cobb County police responded to a domestic disturbance at Lex Luger's home on Sunday, April 19th. According to police reports, when authorities arrived, Elizabeth's right eye was beginning to swell. There was a bruise forming above her left eye, and she had a contusion on her lower lip. Elizabeth initially denied that bruises were received from Luger, but eventually conceded that Luger had indeed hit her. Elizabeth requested that no charges be filed against Luger, but authorities had no choice but to arrest Luger and charge him with battery. Then on May 1st, Lex Luger called 911 at 5.30 in the morning. She's laying on the floor. I've tried to pick her up. I've tried to... Uh, okay, what I want you to do, I want you to go over and see if she's breathing. I can't tell. Please send somebody here so who knows what they're doing. I understand that, sir. I have somebody on the way. But if she's not breathing, you need to help her breathe. You need to find out whether or not she's breathing. Go over to her. Roll her... Dad. Put her on... Sir. Oh, my God. Please send somebody. Listen to me. You have got to help her. Lean down. I'm trying. I've been trying to help her. Lean down and check and see if she's breathing. Look at her chest. See if it's rising. Like, like it is. I'm scared of death. Paramedics responded to Luger's home, but were unsuccessful in saving Elizabeth Hewlett's life. USA Today reported the death as an apparent drug overdose. Luger was taken in for questioning, but was eventually released. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, quote, hours after the incident, investigators combing through Luger's three-story townhouse said they discovered more than 1,000 illegal pills, unquote. 
Luger was charged with 14 different drug possession counts, 13 of which are felonies. The charges are spelled out in the new arrest warrant. Lawrence Fole, better known as Lex Luger, accused of possessing and selling drugs. Drugs like anabolic steroids and Sazen, a growth hormone. All found, say detectives, inside the same house where they found the body of wrestling celebrity Miss Elizabeth, Elizabeth Hewlett. It's really unfortunate to have two individuals who had her in this tragic situation. It's really unfortunate. The thing that I want to say, is, and I don't exactly know how to say it, is um, of how I'm not angry, although part of me is, but I guess disappointed, you know, how someone could let themselves down as much as obviously Elizabeth and uh, and Lex let each other and themselves down and the irony of of the innocence of Miss Elizabeth juxtaposed to the way that she died there's a message there somewhere uh, of I don't know what exactly it is other than uh, falling from grace and not dealing with it, if that's what it was. Um, not having a purpose in life beyond our business, if that's what it was. I'm not too sure what the message is, uh, but but it's something that performers in, uh, in our business have to learn from. And so that they do not repeat the same mistakes that were made by others before them. Another tragedy that happened the same week of Miss Elizabeth's passing. You might remember this too. The daughter of the Iron Sheik was murdered by her boyfriend. Uh, she was living with a boyfriend at the time. Apparently they were taking pills, maybe alcohol as well. They got into an argument. He ended up fucking, I think, strangling her to death. Received a life sentence and uh, was just really fucked up. If anybody saw that documentary on the Iron Sheik not too long ago where they were following him? I, I don't, I was Handler, whatever he was, and him talking about his daughter was really, really sad. Happened this week in 03. 2004, Chavito, Chavo Jr., who had Chavo Classic in his corner, he was the Cruiserweight champion. And he issued an open challenge, and this person accepted. You know, I am very emotional. I am very emotional here tonight because my mother, my mother had a heart attack last Sunday. But my son is here tonight, and I am here to support him. You know, Dad, you truly are a classic. Last week, I made a promise. And being a man of my word, I'm here tonight to keep that promise. I issued a challenge. A challenge to anyone who wants to take me on for my cruiserweight championship. And I'm here tonight to see if anyone, anyone at all, 
has accepted that challenge because tonight it's Chavo Guerrero versus the world. So who's it gonna be? I don't know. I'll tell you, it's a real, real, uh, real tough move, a big time move on Chavo's part. Confident move to put his title on line against anybody. Well, he has been a great cruiserweight well, champion. Who is it? Hold on, hold on, who is, who is this? Wait, what the hell? That's, that's Jacqueline! It's gotta be a mistake here. And making her way to the ring. Jacqueline! She was Chimmel's perplexed. That's well, Chavo Guerrero did say he challenged anyone he's never faced before. I don't believe Chavo's ever faced Jacqueline. Uh, Jacqueline's going to freak somebody else out. She's like balleting or being a, a manager for somebody. Well, look at the Chavos. They find this quite humorous. Oh, it's Chavo Guerrero and Chavo Classic. I understand correctly. But uh, who's she going to bring out here? That's what I want to know. Well, Jacqueline looks like she's stressed to, to compete. are both amused. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you serious? A woman. You guys want me to wrestle a woman? Wait, 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 wait. Is this a joke? Wait, this must be a joke. Okay, 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 you guys got us. You got us, come on. <laughs> you got us, you got us. Bring on the real opponent, go ahead, go. She's not going anywhere. No, I know. You're serious, right? Now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, I'm a fair man. Wrestling you, now that just wouldn't be fair, now would it? There's not a man alive that can beat Chavo Guerrero! Much less, much less a woman. So baby, Unless you're here to do a little something else to me. Why don't you get your pretty little head, scurry on out through the ropes, go to the back, and make me a sandwich. That's nice. Yeah, make me one too. Jacqueline's not going anywhere. I know she's not going. Newsflash, Chavo. Wait, 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 wait. Are you are you hard of hearing? We got a little wax buildup in there, baby. I said, get out of here. The Jacqueline chance have started in Tucson. Now, you don't really want to do this. Now, do you, honey? Well, I think Jacqueline 
wants to do this. Yeah, that, that's a yes, I'd like to do this. What a slap. I don't believe this. Jacqueline is dead serious. And Chavo says, ring the bell. Cruiserweight title. It's a lie. It's on, Cole. No one ever expected this. Well, Chavo opened his mouth. He made the open challenge. Jacqueline accepted. And Chavo, quick takedown of Jacqueline. Well, Jacqueline, very tough wrestler, no doubt. Tough diva. Obviously, very overmatched. Drop toe hold there. This is the cruiserweight champion, Chavo Guerrero. He's a tactician from the world. I know. It's a man's world in the ring, right, Taz? I hate to be like that, but it's in this incident, in this incident, it's definitely is. And now the Chavo sucks chance have filled the arena here in Tucson. And Chavo with the armbar on Jacqueline. Cruiserweight title is oh, on the line. Nice arm drag. Beautiful deep, deep arm drag. Jackie now realizing it might be an over ahead here. Now Jacqueline may have bit off a little bit more than she can chew as Absolutely. she backs into the corner. And Chavo, Irish whip Jacqueline into the corner. And the Cruiserweight Champion is in control of Jacqueline in this title matchup. Chavo can just do whatever he wants right now. And Chavo's having fun out here. Oh! oh nobody Chavo caught up! And Jacqueline with those forearms to the side of the head of the champion! Ducks underneath the right hand. Oh, oh look out now! Head scissors! What a tilt the world head to this textbook! And a drop kick! Jackie might have a chance, Cole! A little flurry here by Jacqueline! Little? It's a big flurry! Taking it to the Cruiserweight Champion! Uh-oh! But Chavo! in control. Yeah, now he's mad. Now Chavo's mad. Now get ugly, I'm telling you. I want to end this match here, referee Brian Hebner. You got to believe the Cruiserweight champ was embarrassed there on that flurry by Jacqueline. Sure, a woman was beating the holy high hell out of him. Look at Chavo. Classic. 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 Yeah, classic. Come on. He's going to win anyway. See? Here goes, son. Here goes, son. Family, that's wrong. Father and son holding the title. He doesn't want to Saying, get it over with Chavo, just beat him here. Jackie is out, he's holding from that big suplex. And look at Chavo Guerrero. Oh no, he's gonna set Jacqueline up here. Wait a minute! Now, if you look at the synopsis for this week, Jacqueline has two titles. She's got the Cruiserweight Championship and the Women's Championship. Now, I was going to, you know, be a little wise-ass and, you know, write Jackie Two Belts, you know, because everybody's talking about Becky Two Belts. But, you know, the reason why I don't want to really focus on that is because Jacqueline was not a dual title holder at the time. She was not the women's champion. But that photo, I'm sure, would trigger some people, you know, because just seeing Jackie holding two titles, you know, you don't see that too much in women's wrestling. But go check it out. 2005, WWF had their Backlash 
pay-per-view. Took place in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. Dark match, Tomko Valvinas. For the IC Championship, Shelton Benjamin retains over Chris Jericho. The Hurricane and Rosie won a tag team turmoil match for the World Tag Team Championships. In the last man standing match, Edge over Chris Benoit. Kane over Viscera. Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels defeats Muhammad Hassan and Davari. And the main event for the World Heavyweight Championship, Batista retains the title, defeating Triple H. As you heard at the beginning of the show, this week in 05, we had the music video debut and the album release of John Cena. Uh, that was Bad, Bad Man. You know, a lot of people still like that song to this day. 2006. Oh, we got some good, bad, and ugly. And I know a lot of you are going to say, you know, WWE hiring Hornswoggle is not bad overall. And I agree. I just, you know, I've had my disdain for some of the usage of Hornswoggle over the years, but I don't take that personally against him. But uh, first, let's talk about, you know, the bad or the ugly. Hulk Hogan. He had a couple of products released uh, this week in history. You know, last week, I think we talked about Postamania coming out. I don't know what it is in April or May, but it seems like that's when Hogan products either get announced or they get released. Your Postamania, now in 06, they release his energy drink, Hulk Hogan energy drink in stores. And as you'll hear later on, we had Hulk Hogan microwave cheeseburgers, hamburgers, and chicken sandwiches, mystery meat. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that later. But first, let's talk about the energy drink. You know, look, the energy drink, 160 milligrams of caffeine, which is a lot more than a cup of coffee, but also have vitamin B12, B6, horny goat weed. You know, it's typical energy drink. The problem, they insisted that this energy drink tastes great. Anybody's ever had Red Bulls and others, you know that they don't taste all that great. So what do they do? They add tons of corn syrup to this drink. And this drink ends up being, I think, like 160 calories, where it should have only been 40 or 50. So once the reviews started coming out and they started revealing the tons of corn syrup that was in this drink, it just failed miserably. You know, now people collect the cans. You know, it's just like a novelty piece, but did not work out well for Hulk Hogan and the energy drinks. Now we wrap up 2006 with a pipe bomb. You know, everybody always talks about CM Punk when it comes to pipe bombs. AJ Lee had a little bit of a pipe bomb for herself. We had a few wrestlers over the years. Well, this week in 06, we had a pipe bomb on Raw by Joey Styles. Let me paint this picture a little bit. Spirit Squad in Vince's corner. Spirit Squad annoying as fuck. Terrible. And Joey Styles was one of the commentators on Raw with Jared King Lawler. Well, Joey Styles was going to be leaving the announcer's booth to work in the offices, focus on the WWE website, and they needed to write him off TV. So they decided to do a little storyline where the Spirit Squad was fucking with Joey Styles in the back. And Kenny of the Spirit Squad was going to be facing John Cena later on in the night for the heavyweight championship. So the Spirit Squad had basically threatened Joey Styles that if he didn't show spirit by announcing Kenny as the heavyweight champion, next week on Raw, they were going to make Joey Styles wear a cheerleader's outfit. 
So they're, you know, insulting Joey Styles in the bank and they're forcing him to, you know, announce Kenny is the heavyweight champion and blah, 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 blah. So after the commercial break, right after this segment, Joey Styles is seen walking down to ringside. So Jerry Lawler cutting a few jokes, you know, trying to make lighthearted about, you know, what he just saw at the skit with Joey Styles and the Spirit Squad. He cracks a couple of jokes towards Joey Styles' way, and this happens. We are back live on Raw, coming to you from Columbus, Ohio tonight. What a, what a strange night this has been. What a Raw this has been. Coming back. That's right now. Let's hear it for our lead announcer and future cheerleader, Joey Styles. Come on, Joey. Come here, Joey. Right, wait, 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 wait. Real quick, Joey. Let me hear you say your line. Let me hear you say it. The new WWE champion is Kenny. Come on, say it, Joey. Say it. With spirit. How about... If we just do our jobs, King, call a wrestling match. Come on, Joey. Let's show some spirit. Come on. Listen, if you were in the ECW, you'd be showing that spirit. I can hear it now. Oh, my God. Come on, Joey. Do it. If this was ECW, I wouldn't be working with a hack like you. King, you want to see some spirit? How's that for spirit? to the fans here right now I want to take this opportunity to apologize to you Joey Styles my fault just trying to have a little fun it got out of hand I'm sorry come back out and let's finish the rest of this show my bad come on Joey come on Joey come on back out here come on You want to apologize like nothing happened, like you didn't knock me on my ass in front of millions of people worldwide, and I'm going to come down there and work with you. I'm not coming back. And now, thanks to the magic of live television, I'm going to show the whole world why for seven years in ECW, I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. Six months ago, 
WWE called me. I didn't call this company because I was looking for a job. I didn't need a job. WWE called me because they had humiliated and fired again Jim Ross. So I get JR's spot. And from week one, week after week, I've got an ongoing lecture about the differences in professional wrestling and sports entertainment. I'm not allowed to say pro wrestling. I'm not allowed to say wrestler. I have to say sports entertainment and refer to the wrestlers as superstars. I'm told to deliberately ignore the moves and the holds during the matches so I can tell stories. Well, ignoring the moves and the holds is damn insulting to the athletes, the wrestlers, not the entertainers who leave their families 300 days a year to ply their craft in that ring. So here's the best part. Because I'm not a sports entertainment storyteller, I get pulled from WrestleMania. And the reason I'm given is, is because I don't sound like Jim Ross, who was the guy they fired in the first place. That makes sense, right? So I swallow the bitter pill, I'm a company guy. I get bumped from WrestleMania. Then I get bumped from Backlash? I'm not good enough to call Backlash. In ECW, I called live pay-per-views on my own. Solo, no color commentators dragging me down. Wasn't done before me, hasn't been done since. But I'm not good enough to call Backlash because I'm not a sports entertainment storyteller. Well, you know what? I am sick of sports entertainment. I am sick of male cheerleaders. I am sick of boogers and bathroom humor and semen. And I am sick of our chairman who likes to talk about his own semen. He mocks God, he mocks God and makes out with the divas all to feed his own insatiable ego. I am sick of sports entertainment. And most of all, I'm sick of you fans who actually buy into that crap, this sports entertainment circus. I never needed this job, and I don't want this job anymore. I quit! You know, we brought Joey Styles up from the gutter and it looks like he just got homesick. Maybe Joey Styles will feel more at home in a bingo hall kissing Paul Heyman's ass. Idiot. Now, I remember when it went down, and I think one of the first Minority Reports that we ever did, it's probably still online, 
We talked about it. It was a great segment. But, you know, he didn't really quit. He was just backstage. And I miss Joey Styles as an announcer. I've talked about it many times recently. Though Joey Styles would be a great announcer for AEW. It's a shame. It's a shame that that man who's still very young is just really autistic doing play-by-play. 2007, we had a tragedy in the ring. Lafanto Mephisto died during a match. Heart attack. 2008, get a little lighthearted here for a moment. You know, we had an upcoming pay-per-view for TNA, Sacrifice. Scott Steiner was going to be involved. Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. And uh, it was this week in 2008. It's amazing. It's been this many years already. Scott Steiner had his mathematical um, interpretation of why he is going to win the match at sacrifice. You know what's funny? At the very end of this, whenever you hear a lot of places replaying this clip, they always seem to leave out the fat part with Samoa Joe because, you know, it's not that politically correct. But here you go, Scott Steiner and his infamous math promo. You know, they say all men are created equal, but you look at me and you look at Small Joe and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% at best at beating me. And then you add Kurt Angle to the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, you got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. So, Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance and you got an eight and a third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my 75% chance of winning if we used to go one-on-one and then add 66 and two-thirds percents. I got 141 and two-thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. See, but I'm going to break it down for you ladies. Would you rather be with me, or would you rather be with Joe? Well, I think Joe's kind of nice. I mean, you know. See, you're one of those girls that like romance. I'm going to talk to all my freaks out there. Would you rather come home to me, a genetic freak, to be satisfied every night, or go home to that fat-ass small Joe? More clusterfucks this week in 08. Santino Morella arrested for DUI. This was big news at that time. I was very surprised in how big of a story this was, but, uh, you know. I mean, he hasn't, as far as I know, he hasn't been in trouble with the law since. And everybody makes mistakes. I mean, you shouldn't make a mistake of drinking and driving, but still, this week in 08, man, it's history. We got to cover it. Santino Morella arrested for DWI. Also, this week in 08, we had um, Ashley Mazzaro's WWF career abruptly come just about to an end. Rolling Stone. And I know a lot of you will remember this because I covered it on my website. I posted screenshots, very controversial at the time. I'm still blocked by Ashley Mazzaro on social media because of this. Rolling Stone revealed an article. There was a big story that went down in 08 about an escort service in California. 
And this escort service would hire uh, porn stars, Maxim models, Playboy playmates, um, you know, for customers. You know, you pay $25,000 a pop on average, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. You can actually, you know, hook up with a porn star, a playmate, or a Maxim model. It doesn't mean that you're guaranteed sexual favors, but still, it was a big deal. It got busted by the FBI. Um, it's a real, real controversial story in 2008. And Rolling Stone revealed that one of the um, escorts was Ashley Mazzaro, who was employed at the time by WWE, who is now trying to be kid-friendly. So this article comes out. She denies it. We caught her in a bunch of lies. We had that advertisement from that club out in Long Island way back when. And the next thing you know, I think Ashley Mazzara maybe made one or two appearances on TV after that. And by a month or two, she was out of WWE and that was it. And if you remember, she tried to cover it up by saying that she requested time off so she could take care of her ailing daughter. And although I believe to this day that the daughter story, it was in fact correct, that wasn't in my opinion, the reason why she was let go. WWE was not having, you know, a high profile woman like Ashley Mazzaro. Cause remember, you know, she was, she was in playboy. You were not going to have, uh, her be on a WWE roster. And this article come out that she's selling, um, her services for 25,000. Again, I don't know what those services included other than companionship, but it was a really controversial article when it came out. It was a you know real juicy story, and she denied it. And the more she denied it, I guess she really didn't understand the magnitude of not only the research that you could do online, but just you know the fact that you, she really could not cover up you know her involvement with that escort service, especially when you actually saw the other people who were you know exposed as being part of this. You know, this thing, there was really no way for her to deny it. So that was the end of it. But anyway, one other thing to wrap up 2008. I said earlier about Hulk Hogan's energy drink. And this uh, week, 2008, Hulk Hogan's uh, hamburgers came out. Microwave hamburgers, microwave cheeseburgers, microwave chicken sandwiches. I think they might have been uh, Walmart exclusive. I don't remember the exact price. I did some research and a few people said to me that they were only cost a buck. I just can't picture Hogan microwave burger. I can't picture any microwave burger in 2008 being just 99 cents. That sounds awfully cheap. I remember going to 7-Eleven, you know, in the 90s with the munchies after going out to a club and there was no way in the fucking freezer section or the refrigerator, even if it was generic, you know, Tom's fucking burgers, wasn't that a TV show? I For 99 cents? I don't think so. But anyway, his burgers came out and the ingredients was beef, water. I think it had tofu. But the, the funniest thing about the cheeseburger is that they didn't call it cheese. If you looked at the ingredients, they just called it melt. Melt. And there's some reviews of the burger on YouTube and they are pretty funny. You know, some people bash and criticize things just to come off as entertaining and they don't actually mean it. But if they say, oh, it's good, then it's not that entertaining of a show. But 
you look at the overall reviews back in 08 when this shit came out, it was another bomb for Hulk Hogan. It was just, it was a disaster. Hulk Hogan's burgers melt, melt. Now I know, yes, we have tuna melts. You know, melt is, it's just funny to look at it on the packaging and the cheese is not cheese. Look at the ingredients. 2009, Ring of Honor hires Ric Flair as their ambassador. $40,000 later, I think we have an idea of how that business venture turned out for both sides. Wrapping up 2009 as well, WWE signed AJ Lee. It's been that many years already, everyone. This week in 09, AJ Lee signs a deal with WWE. She would start off developmental, obviously. She would, you know, do NXT. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people miss her and wish she was back in the WWE and TV. But, you know, still. 2010, the Monday Night Wars are officially over. TNA has their last event on Monday nights. The main event from that night, RVD retaining the heavyweight title, defeating Desmond Wolf. Ratings from that night, Raw got a 3.0. Impact got 0.78. After this, they would move back to Thursday nights. I always remember Dixie Carter's quote, the fans have spoken with their input and determined they want TNA Thursday nights. No, the fans spoke out through the ratings, but she tried to play it out that everybody was tweeting her and emailing her and social media. No, 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 no. We want Thursday nights. No, 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 no. I remember TNA fans in droves that wanted to compete on Monday nights. They wanted to fucking relive the Monday Night Wars. And for the younger fans that never experienced the Monday Night Wars, they wanted to fucking live it, to feel what it's like to channel surf and do that stuff. And it's happening right now. Those same fans towards AEW, they're fantasizing about Monday Night Wars with AEW. You know, admit it. If you fantasize about having the Monday Night Wars, admit that you that's what you want. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it doesn't go your way, you don't turn around and say, oh, no, we wanted them Thursday nights. Get the fuck out of here. Think people are stupid? Somebody was stupid wrapping up 2010. You've heard me mention them recently on uh, DTKC show. And I didn't even realize it was the anniversary until I did my research last week. Xavier Pangumbare. I have to say it like that. I have to make him sound like a Goomba, an Italian. Xavier Pangumbare. Arrested. Why? WWE recently released Mickey James at the time. He was so angry, he threatened to blow up WWE's offices. And if if he couldn't do that, he was going to go to the offices with a machete and hack people up. He had a couple of screws loose, was arrested before, I think, for drug violations. And, um, you know, he was originally, you know, held on $250,000 bond. I mean, you see people arrested on TV for murders that don't even get $250,000 bonds. You know, they, re- they they lowered it down to five grand. They realized that this was a mentally disturbed person, but unfortunately, mentally disturbed people do commit, you know, murders as well. I And I have said this recently on social media. We haven't heard a peep from this guy since. You know, he's obviously much older, and hopefully that he has learned from his mistakes and he's received the treatment that he needed because, again, you know, we heard that he had a couple of screws loose, 
And um, but still, 2010, this was a big deal. The guy lived not too far from me, maybe 10 minute drive, not even. Xavier Pengumbare. Pengumbare. 2011. Oh boy, I still remember doing a DTKC show at that time. So many fans. Mish, if you're hearing this, my apologies, my friend. I got to bring it up. You know, Christian, WWE on a roll. Feuding with John Cena felt like the rug was pulled away. I remember a lot of us, like, what happened? It just felt like they pulled him back. Then, you know, he's got the TNA stuff, blah, 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 blah. He comes back and, you know, he's on a little bit of a roll. And we're thinking, okay, maybe WWE's really going to do right with Christian this time around. So this week uh, we had the Extreme Rules pay-per-view take place. Dark match, Sin Cara over Tyson Kidd. Last man standing match, Randy Orton over CM Punk. In a tables match for the United States title, Kofi Kingston defeats Sheamus to win the belt. In a country whipping match, Jack Swagger and Michael Cole over Jerry the King Lawler and Jim Ross. False count anywhere match, Rey Mysterio over Cody Rhodes. Um, you know, before we get into Christian, let's cover this one first. We had a no DQ, no count out, Loser leaves WWE match. Battle of Lay Cool. Layla versus Michelle McCool. One of them was going to be leaving WWE. Well, here's the closing moments of that match. And yes, we would realize that one was in fact leaving WWE. But with this person exiting, someone else would debut. So much on the line here. One of these divas will no longer be a part of WWE. These two want so close. Know each other inside and out. Oh, man. Man. That was a counter by Layla and a good one at that. Layla crawls into the cover. Michelle McCool, maybe. Oh. That was close. That was real close. Michelle McCool was actually about a half a second from leaving the WWE. And the thing is, I really don't think Layla wants this. Well, of course she, she don't want to be in this position. She's upset about it. She's crying about it. But she better get her head back in the game or else she's going to be uh, out of here. Right, like we're seeing right now. And Michelle McCool with the cover here. Outside leg. Yeah! Tell you right now, Michelle McCool, she'll take a victory any, any way she can. Oh, look out. This could be it. Michelle looking to put Layla away. Layla escapes. And now it's Layla. Oh, oh man. man. Wow. That was on the back of the neck right there. Layla with the cover. And Michelle McCool. Yeah, wherewithal to get her leg on the bottom rope, forcing the break of the count. I'm going to tell you, Michelle McCool may be out. Maybe if reflexes might have threw a foot up on the rope or something right there. But that neck breaker right there was was bad. Oh, man. And now it's McCool looking to send Layla out of WWE. Horrible. Two best friends, former best friends, and it's come down to this. They spent every waking hour together for years. Nice 
nice counter there by Layla. Roll through. Michelle McCool with the wow. counter of her own. A great counter by Michelle. That was a great counter oh. right there. That, that's got to be it right Thanks there. Thanks for coming, Layla, if Michelle can capitalize. Michelle wasted about five seconds right there. Wasn't enough for Layla. Nice roll. Oh, wow. Great counter. Oh, oh, my. counter. Oh, my. Here is your I feel like crying. Layla's, she didn't want this. Oh, too bad, she got it. This is what it came to. The complete breakdown of the relationship between Layla and Michelle. Michelle McCool will now be forced to leave. Wow. Yeah, and you know what? Layla just lost her only friend. Right. Oh, they could put their petty differences aside and end up like this. This is how it started. Layla took her attention away from Michelle McCool. McCool, all business and all over Layla early on. Oh, man. Just the viciousness of this entire rivalry. Yeah, the action spilled to the outside. And then I think we were all taken a little aback by this after Michelle McCool looked to be in complete control. And Layla, watch your face right here. Layla perhaps more shocked than anybody. Yeah, but then it, then the reality of what happened settled in. Layla ecstatic about the victory, then realizing that her former best friend, Michelle McCool, is forced Man. out of WWE. Look at her right there, Michelle McCool looking like the wicked witch of the West. I mean, listen to these people. Absolutely no respect Come for Michelle on. McCool. Everything this woman has accomplished in WWE, and, and they treat her like this. Gentlemen, the WWE Universe is in absolute awe and shock at what has just walked down the aisle. Michelle McCool looks frightened to death. I think Michelle is in shock. Booker, look at the size of this woman. Wow. Did you feel that?
I mean, this is so unfair to Michelle McCool. She just lost her career. Let her go out with some dignity. You know, as much as Michelle rubs me the wrong way, I don't wish no harm on anybody. This woman has not taken her eyes off Michelle since she came down the ramp. Stalking Michelle McCool. Oh my lord. Oh my lord, what in the... Sick maniacal laugh. What is wrong with her? Well, uh, ladies, take a good look at your future. That's what the Divas locker room future looks like. Michelle McCool met her karma tonight. But I believe there's plenty of karma to go around for all the divas in WWE. You know, you look back on that, it's amazing that many years have gone by with karma. I remember when she debuted DTKC show episodes are up there, Breakfast with Blossie. And we really were looking forward to see Karma kick some ass in WWE. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. You know, personal issues, medical issues. It was a real shame to see how it ended up. You know, look, she ended up appearing on the Glow Series on on uh, Netflix, I think it was. And um, she's doing well. And I, anybody who's been a fan of Awesome Kong or Karma absolutely is happy for her. But man, you know, over the years when we talk about what shoulda, woulda with certain wrestlers, I remember back in the day, everybody was like, wow, what, could you imagine what could have happened if Sylvester Turkai would have been used the right way? I mean, there's other wrestlers, but a lot of people at this time felt that way towards karma. So anyway, um, Lumberjack match for the WWE tag titles. Kane and the Big Show retained the belts, defeating the core, which was Wade Barrett and Ezekiel Jackson. In a steel cage match for the WWE Championship, John Cena over Morrison and Miz. And um, we're still going to get to Christian, everyone. I want to save him for last. But before that, after the pay-per-view was over, John Cena retained. We didn't get to see this right away. But anybody who was following news that night heard of a big story breaking. Well, it ends up that John Cena actually... Uh, grabbed the mic for the live crowd and made this announcement. I walk out here every night with hustle, loyalty, respect on my sleeve. That is a credo I have adopted from the men and women who defend the freedom of this country. We have caught and compromise to a permanent end, Osama Bin Laden.
Now we get to Christian. On the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, we had Christian taking on Alberto Del Rio in a ladder match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And, you know, a lot of us were kind of realistic about it. You know, we would have loved to have seen Christian as a heavyweight champion, but just felt with history and how WWE's treated Christian in the past. Now, look, don't get me wrong. Tag titles, you know, TLC, he, you know, the stuff with Jericho. Christian had a, a real big storied career. But we always wondered, would WWE ever pull a trigger and give him the World Heavyweight Championship? And this is what we got this week, back in 2011. Oh, it's going to be bad. This is going to be bad. Cross arm right through the Del Rio. And that arm wrapped right through the ladder. Okay, so Christian tapping, but that's not going to help him out at all right now. He's going to rip the peck again, break the arm. That's it right there. Christian's busted open. And now Del Rio's destiny is upon us. He's busted open at... Alberto Del Rio may have dislocated the, that arm. And the confident smile of Alberto Del Rio as Del Rio feels now he is just a walk away from becoming the world heavyweight champion. Del Rio has worked his entire career for this moment, for the opportunity to rule WWE, the opportunity to become world champion. Alberto Del Rio, Rio is a walk away from his Take your time. Savor it. Savor it, Come Del Rio. On. No one can stop you. Come Savor on. it. Take in the moment. Christian. Take in the spectacle. Christian, Take it all you in. Do something, Christian. You gotta get up. Del Rio, just a few runs away. Nothing can stop Del Rio. So now we have Christian as the world heavyweight champion. It was really, really cool. I mean, fans were really, really happy about this. Till 48 hours later. Look at the eyes of Christian right there. Christian is feeling it. Christian is 
the heavyweight champion. Let's not forget that Christian is the heavyweight champion. Christian points now. Wait for him. That's the Viper right there. He can strike like that. Cover here. Christian down. That was almost a three count right there. He came about a half, yeah. half a second away from being the champion right there. And Randy questioning the count by the official. Randy Orton believed he had the title won. I think it was a fair count. It looked quick. It looked, looked legal to me. But when you talk about quickness, just how quick can Randy Orton turn things around? That's why he's called the Viper. But that's the thing with Randy Orton. Oh, but Christian turning things around here on Orton. Wait a minute. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Great defense there by Randy Orton. And now it's Christian in control. Whoa. Orton still. Look at that Orton wow. now. Wow. Oh. I'm going to tell you right now, that is it. You can count to 100. We got a new champion. Oh, wow. And Orton cannot believe that Christian kicked out, and neither can I. That's Christian right there, guys. I've told you before, Christian does nothing but one thing, and that's win. He's a winner. Bonafide, guys. Christian is not going to lay down, like I say, 17 years to get to this point. You think he would have given up? Oh, no. What effort and determination and desire between these two superstars as they compete for the world title. Christian, cover there. Orton down. This Christian looking to retain. Orton down. He got him. No, he didn't. This just goes to show you exactly what the world title means to one in this business. Trust me, I know I've been to the mountaintop six times. Randy Orton has been there. Christian has finally made it after 17 years. And I'm telling you, it's going to take a, it's going to take a whole lot to get that title off Christian's waist tonight on Friday night. And Randy Orton just seemingly out of nowhere. Oh, my goodness. This crowd is going crazy right now. Christian, maybe a late game player, but Orton in a split second can deliver the RKO. The icy snare of the Viper. RKO coming to Christian Carters. Oh, wait a minute. Orton stunned. Christian's got him now. And back and forth once again they go. Christian again. Go! remember from this two-day title reign which they actually i guess they say it's five days because it didn't air on tv until you know smackdown i'll never forget when people were just absolutely 
annoyed online with uh, WWE taking the belt off him that quickly. Yeah, I remember him saying to people, don't worry, you know, look, I'm going to get it back. You know, listen, it's just right now I'm going to get it back. And it didn't feel the same way as when Jericho fought Triple H. It never happened. Uh, remember that? Just didn't feel the same way. And although Christian would get championships after this, it just felt like this was the time to let him have a nice run. And WWE blew it. Just in my opinion, they blew it. 2012, WWE released Goldust. Um, would not be out all that long. He would return at the 2013 Royal Rumble. And speaking of 2013, happy anniversary. Bullet Club officially formed this week. You had Prince Devitt, Finn Balor, turn on his partner, Ryuzuki Taguchi. And I know there's been different variations of Bullet Club over the years, but this week in 13, it all started. And just a little random treat, I pulled one of the original promos that Finn Balor did when Bullet Club originally formed. Prince Devitt in Tokyo, Japan, wants to say a little hello to the Irish audience watching. And we're going to say a little goodbye to Taguchi this weekend. Because we're going to put the back on his fucking head. Who the you little bitch? Udasai, you little bitch! And we're gonna pull the trigger. We are Bullet Club, and we do what we want. Taguchi goes in the bag, and Taguchi, Apollo 55, is finished forever. Hey! Hey! What are you looking at, you little pervert? Put your fucking right in the magazine, huh? What are you looking at, you little pervert? Bullet Club. Bullet Club Ichiban, tell him. Bullet Club is number one. Say it! Say it, bud. Bullet Club Ichiban. Yeah, so happy birthday, Bullet Club. This week in 13, it was formed. 2013, wrapping up that year, Ring of Honor at the Border Walls event from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. The CNC Wrestle Factory defeated ACH and Tadarius Thomas, Roderick Strong over Mike Bennett. In an I Quit match, BJ Whipner over Rhett Titus. Uh, Cliff Compton and Jimmy Jacobs over Jay Lethal and Michael Elgin. Eddie Edwards over Taiji Ishimori. For the Ring of Honor TV title, Matt Taven retains over Mark Briscoe. Davey Richards over Paul London. And for the world title, Jay Briscoe retains defeating Adam Cole. 2014, WWE has their Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Uh, dark match, which I know a lot of you will remember. It was the WLC match between El Torito and Hornswoggle. In a three-way elimination match, Cesaro wins, defeating Jack Swagger and RVD. Two-on-one handicap match, Rusev over Xavier Woods and R-Truth. For the IC Championship, Bad News Barrett defeats Big E to win the title. The Shield over Evolution, Triple H, Batista, Randy Orton. In a steel cage, Bray Wyatt over John Cena for the... Uh, remember that with the fucking... He's got the whole... Oh. Divas title. Page retains over Tamina Snuka. An extreme rules match for the WWE World Heavyweight title. Daniel Bryan retains, defeating Kane. 2015. We had the official main roster debut of a particular superstar. This event took place for Montreal, Quebec, Canada on Raw. Obviously, if this wrestler hailed from Canada, he would get a little bit of a extra pop, I guess you could call it. Well, 
John Cena at the time is the U.S. champion, issuing his open challenges. You want some, come get some. And Bret Hart would come out. And no, Bret Hart was not going to face John Cena, but Bret Hart was going to announce John Cena's opponent for that night. Originally, Heath Slater came out and, you know, he's cutting a promo and blah, 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 blah. Bret Hart knocks him out. Fine. But then Bret Hart would announce who John Cena's partner would be. And um, just sit back and relax. It's not the entire match, but it's a good portion of it. And it's really a lot of fun to hear because, like I said, when you are forced to listen to commentary or hear the match instead of just watching it. Number one, when we watch matches on TV, you know, you're a certain distance away from the TV. So there's a lot of little nuances with audio that you don't get to hear when you're, you know, on your couch or in your bed and the TV's that far away. Um, but, you know, when you're focused on the audio and just picturing, you know, what you're hearing, you know, the crowd made it fun. Michael Cole actually was pretty good on the mic in this match. I mean, really, really put Sami Zayn over. Now, obviously, Sami Zayn would not win the U.S. championship in his debut, but man, did he not only get an awesome pop, but he put on a fucking performance. And remember, this was all while injuring his shoulder. I'm here to introduce a great wrestler. Face off 
against the surprise challenge of one of NXT's hottest and biggest superstars. Let's give it up. Let's give it up for Sami Zayn. United States Championship, John Cena against the upstart Sami Zayn from right here in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Nice. Sami Zayn, a high flyer, a former NXT champion. And Sami Zayn looking to capitalize on this opportunity, but again, he's in there against the 15-time WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And John, you can be as flashy as you want if Sami Zayn was there, but when you're taking on Cena, you got to get your head in the game. You're going to find out, young man, even though you got the home field Seen a big match, John. Sami Zayn will be a part of NXT TakeOver Unstoppable two weeks from Wednesday on the WWE Network for the NXT title against Kevin Owens. Tonight has an opportunity to go into that match as the United States Champion. Sami Zayn will most popular star. Cena, cover, hooks the leg and a kick out. In NXT history, he was the one that stopped the, the record reign of Neville. 287 days, Neville held that championship. Sami Zayn was the one who took that NXT championship from Neville. Zayn is talented. I mean, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. My advice to Sami Zayn is just let it all hang out, kid. Yeah, but it's easier said than done against Cena, who's looking to put Zayn away early in a kick out at two. I'm sure both of you men remember that, that moment. That moment when you had your first big match against a bona fide superstar like Cena. Tell us what Zayn must be feeling right now, Book. Exactly what, what I said um, a minute ago. I mean, he's had to go out there and just let it all hang out. He has nothing to lose in this matchup. Even a, with a loss against John Cena, his stock goes up. What do you think, John? What has Sammy got to do here? You got to get over the nerves. Look, you got to get hit. You got to get knocked down. You got to figure out what is, what's happening out there. And again, here's the doctor who's going to check on Sammy Zayn. And the shoulder of Sami Zayn. This kid injury prone. Sami Zayn perhaps with a, I don't know, checking the shoulder area as we take another look. Watch what happened to Sami Zayn's shoulder here. His left shoulder, the way that he lands hard on that move by John Cena again. Cena looking to take advantage as soon as he hit. It didn't look like it was that bad, but as soon as he hit, he grabbed that shoulder. And Sami Zayn again talking to our doctor, our trainer out here at ringside. This is an incredible opportunity for Zayn. And, and I guarantee you Zayn is going to go forward with this match unless he's forced out by the doctor. This is our doctor's call here, too. You don't give the say-so to Sami Zayn here. And John Cena... Cena playing the good sport, making sure Zayn is ready. There's no way this kid can quit at home. There's no way. Well, he's Maybe not quitting. That down. Match is continuing. Yeah, but that's where the doctor steps. This is a step in book. 
And, and for his own health and safety, he the doctor has to make this call, not Sammy. Sammy Zane sidestepping Cena. Cena perhaps showing a little bit of compassion there. And Cena back Zane into the corner. John Cena is not going to take a man lightly. We know that. Veteran move right there by John Cena. Exactly. The WWE fans, the hometown fans here in Montreal don't like it, but John Cena doing what any veteran champion would do. And Zane explodes out of it with a clothesline, catching Cena. Again, the left shoulder stinging of Zane. I think he may have got a stinger or a dislocation or something in that shoulder. Still hurting him. It's nothing to go into John. Match against Cena at 100%, but in there with a bum shoulder. Don't like your odds. Zane misses wildly. Cena with a shoulder tackle. Down goes Zane. And another by Cena. And Cena right now putting on a clinic. Taking this kid to school right now, Cole. Now it's silly. Look at this. Look at Zane. Roll up Cena. Almost caught him. Could you imagine the explosion here in Montreal if Sami Zayn finds a way to win and walks out of here, United States champion? Zayn with an elbow catches Cena. Cena stunned momentarily. Zayn second rope. Sami now top rope crossbody. Nice. They're going to take a break. Get trying to fight through the pain right here. And look at this. Sammy Zayn. Oh, Koji clutch. Koji clutch. Zayn with the clutch. Is Cena going to tap out for the United States Championship? Sammy Zayn's got John Cena in trouble in the middle of the ring. Cena's got nowhere to go. Almost like a Peruvian necktie right there. John Cena is in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, Cena's in all kinds of trouble. What's he going to do against Sammy Zayn? Trying to break this here, and Cena able to break the hold. Zayn, though, went for the shoulders down. John Cena, though, counters with the power. The John Cena. And Sammy Zayn rolls him up. Shoulders down yet again. Cena, too, kicking out. Zayn thought he had him. Nice bridge. And there's Lana and Rusev looking on. Rusev will face Cena in an I Quit match in two weeks at Payback. Whether it's for the United States Championship or not will be determined, I guess, right here. Sami Zayn starting to build momentum. Hometown crowd at Montreal behind this young upstart from NXT. Sami Zayn off the rope. Cena catches him with the clothesline. And again, book veteran move by Cena. Definitely uh, Cena's the veteran out here, but you got to give it up for John Cena. Willing to give a young up-and-comer like Sami Zayn a title shot. That's what a true champion is all about. That's John Cena. That's what the U.S. Championship Open Challenge is all about. Is he going for the AA here? Finish this kid. Quit playing around. Sami Zayn and Zayn oh. pops back out of it and both men down center of the ring. Zayn able to turn the momentum as Cena was not able to get the full AA. And John Cena now trying to regain a. A bit of composure here. Look at Sammy, look at Sammy, look at Sammy! Sending himself oh, oh, with a DDT! What a move! And that is in the that is in the repertoire of Sammy Zayn. Sammy Zayn have made moves like this famous on NXT. Throws caution into the wind. Sammy Zayn takes over. Now it's Sammy Zayn's game. He's got Cena where he 
cuts him. But he's got to get Cena back in the ring. The only way to win the title is via pinfall or submission. Referee at the count of three right now. Zayn now has got to get that 250-pound frame of Cena back into the ring to take advantage. He's got a lot of heart, a lot of will, and testing of fortitude. you got to give it up for Sami Zayn. And Zayn's got Cena back into the ring. Can Sami Zayn capitalize for the United States Championship in what would amount to be one of the biggest upsets in WWE history? Oh, no. Watch the blue thunder bomb by Zayn. John Cena's reeling. Zayn's got to try to capitalize. Trying to keep it under control. Can you imagine Sami Zayn's emotions right now? Yeah, but if they you're got to be running out of fever pitch. John, you know better than anybody. You've got to keep your emotions under control to win a championship out of this situation. You have to, but that's easier said than done. He's in his hometown of Montreal. He's fighting one of the greatest of all time in John Cena, and he has a chance to walk out of here champion. He's Who could control their emotions under that scenario? He's putting up a hell of a showing, John. This kid has that never-say-die attitude. Cena. Oh, there's the stunner. A springboard stunner. The We've seen it before. Stunner by that's Cena it. into the AA and the ever-resilient United States champion John Cena will retain the title over a game, Sami Zayn. Here is your winner and wow. still the United States champion, John Cena. What an incredible showing by Sami Zayn. Absolutely incredible. And the expressions on John Cena's face as that match unfolded shows you what John Cena was in in that match. He was in a fight against an upstart Zane. John Cena has brought validity back to the United States champion. This is what a fighting champion is, guys. I said once, I said again, John Cena is the guy. Very disappointed, Sami Zayn. Remember, Sami Zayn hurt that shoulder in one of the very first moments of the match and fought against the 15-time WWE championship right there. And this is another reason that John Cena is one of the greatest champions of all time. For moments like that, the opportunity that he gave Sami Zayn tonight to battle for the United States championship, and then at the end of it all, to hold Sami Zayn's arm up high. But not only that, to vacate the ring like Cena's doing now and allow Sami Zayn to bring in the respect from this awesome WWE Universe here in his hometown of Montreal. Going to wrap this up in a moment. 2016, WWE releases Hornswoggle, Alex Riley, Zeb Coulter, El Torito, Cameron, Santino Morello, Wade Barron, and Damian Sandow. Same week, they had their payback event from Rosemount, Illinois. 
Dark match, Dolph Ziggler over Baron Corbin. For the U.S. Championship, Callisto retains, defeating Ryback. The Vaude Villains over Enzo and Kaz uh, to determine number one contenders for the tag titles. This might have been the match where uh, Kaz got, uh, Enzo got knocked for a loop. I think this was the match. Uh, Kevin Owens over Sami Zayn. You had The Miz retain the IC Championship over Cesaro. Dean Ambrose over Chris Jericho. Charlotte retains the Women's Championship over Natty. And the main event for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, Roman Reigns retains the title, defeating AJ Styles. Next night on Raw, we had Chris Jericho annihilate, destroy the Ambrose Asylum. You remember that shit? Ambrose's talk segment. And who could ever forget Mitch? You remember Mitch? Why do I sound like Donald Trump for him? Mitch. You could just picture and say, Mitch. Remember Mitch? The potted plant? Well, he fucking destroyed Mitch as well. So Jericho ruined the Ambrose Asylum and murdered Mitch the plant. Mitch. 2017 payback pay-per-view, San Jose, California. Dark match was Enzo and Kaz over Gals and Anderson. Chris Jericho wins the U.S. title, defeating Kevin Owens. You had Austin Aries uh, defeat Neville by DQ, so the Cruiserweight Championship does not change hands. For the Raw Tag Team Championship, the Hardys retain, defeating Cesaro and Sheamus. For the Raw Women's Championship, Alexa Bliss defeats Bayley to win the belt. Bray Wyatt over Randy Orton in a god-awful House of Horrors match. Remember that shit? Was it dark? I think it was dark outside when they were battling in the house. And then when they went back to the arena, it was bright. Or it was vice versa. It was just whoever produced it, abysmal. Seth Rollins over Samoa Joe in the main event. Braun Strowman over Roman Reigns. And finally, 2018, we had the Backlash pay-per-view from Newark, New Jersey. Dark match, Ruby Riot over Bayley. For the IC Championship, Seth Rollins retains, defeating The Miz. Nia Jax retains the Raw Women's Championship, defeating Alexa Bliss. Jeff Hardy retains the U.S. title over Randy Orton. Daniel Bryan over Big Kaz. Carmella retains the SmackDown Women's title, defeating Charlotte Flair. In a no-DQ match for the WWE Championship, no-DQ match, I might add, AJ Styles uh, and Shinsuke Nakamura ended without a winner, went to a no contest, so AJ Styles is still the champion. Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley over Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. In the main event, Roman Reigns defeats Samoa Joe. Notable birthdays this week. Those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday to Stu Hart, Dory Funk Sr., Mr. Fuji, the big boss man, Count Von Bromberg, Bull Curry, Jack Rush, Lester Welch, Sam Steamboat, Devil Moraski, Wally Yamaguchi, Samson Kitsuwada, Joe McCarthy, Alex Medina, El Palaco, El Cannibal, Black Shadow, Casey Berger, Ivan Vaktorov, and Don Fields. Happy birthday to all of you. Billy Two Rivers turns 84. Bill Watts turns 80. Victor Rivera, 76. Oficial, 72. Randy Colley, 69. Don Cronoodle, 68. Jose Luis Feliciano turns 64. Bet you thought I was going to say Jose Luis Rivera. Dave Taylor turned 62, Scott Armstrong 60, Leon Rojo and Hiroshi Hase turned 58, Princess Victoria 57, Jack Bull, Jim Steele, Kochi Hamada, Frankie Sloan, La Llorona and Alex the Iceman turned 49, Holly Lewis turns 48, 
The Rock and Ray Gonzalez turn 47. Takashi Okano turns 46. Nitro Girl Siren, Chad Patton, Marcus Ryan, and Takuya Kito turn 43. Bombastic and Molotov turn 41. Monster Mac and Alicia Webb, 40. Demente Extreme and Kaylin Croft turn 39. Mini Hysteria and Tomohiko Ori turn 37. You had Human Tornado, Grand Canute, and Craig Classic turn 36. Sean Devari, Eve Torres, Brad Maddox, Tom LaRuffa, and El Gil del Fantasma turn 35. Miss Dyslexia, 34. Arana De Plata Jr., Damak, Goya Kong, and Super Hassan Jr. turn 32. Brooke Hogan, Nikki Oceans, and Joe Henry, 31. Carter Mason and Jeremy Foster turn 30. Heather Monroe, El Gio del Mascara Sagrada, Sequibali, Alex Flash, and T-Hawk turn 29. Justin Storm and Koyoki Iwasaki turn 28. Saki Kashima and Articus turn 26. Americos and Trey Miguel, 25. Kota Umida and Akira Hayoto turn 24. Principe Daniel turns 23. And Shikara turns 19. Notable debuts this week in history. Luis Piccoli debuted in 88. Rey Mysterio Jr. in 89. Hayabusa in 91. Sharkboy in 1997. And Shelton Benjamin in 2000. And finally, notable deaths this week. Those who passed away this week in history. Kurt Von Pompenheim died at age 89. Kinji Shibuya died at 88. Steve Druck at 84. Marvin Mercer at 82. Gustav Kaiser at 81, Frank Stojak at 75, Joe Turner 74, Suji Sito at 73, Lee Wyckoff died at age 72, Sam Steamboat at 71, Haro Sasaki at 70, El Supremo at 67, Tiger Tommaso and Ivan Robert Jr. at 65, Baron Katoni at 62, Ray Stevens at 60. Universal Dos Mil at 55, Joe LaDuke at 54, Barbara Galento at 53. Now, I did double-check this. I made sure that these were two different people. Man Mountain Mike and Man Mountain Dean Jr. died at age 47. Now, I know what you're saying. Wait a minute. Two wrestlers named Man Mountain blah, 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 blah died at age 47? Well, Man Mountain Mike was Gary Fletcher. He died in 88. And Man Mountain Dean Jr. was Fred Volrick, and he died in 72. So definitely two different people. Miss Elizabeth and Randy Anderson died at age 42. Rudy Strongberg at 31. And Snake Amami died at 29. With that, I bid you farewell for this week in wrestling history. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD, the website DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. Remember, we have a Discord channel. It is active 24-7. Get interact with us and other listeners on there for free. And as always, if you like what we do, you want to help support the shows, help us keep these bills paid and keep some of these shows free for everybody, consider our Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash Don Tony. For $5, you get Patreon-exclusive shows, Breakfast Soup, hosted by yours truly and Mish. Um, Castle Chronicles, Kevin Castle solo show. We have Blah Blah Blah, which is a show I do that's pretty much everything but wrestling. Uh, we now do a live show every Tuesday. 
exclusive on Patreon. In fact, I just launched a new tier for everybody out there that loves our live Monday DTKC show that wants to sign up on Patreon but only has interest in our live Tuesday shows. Now there's a $2 tier. If you want just the live shows on Tuesdays, you could sign up and get that for two bucks. So again, you know, your uh, support is greatly appreciated. And any feedback for these shows, by all means, please send it. All your feedback is very much appreciated. So I am out of here. Enjoy the rest of the week. I will be back next week for season two, episode 19 of This Week in Wrestling History. Take care, everyone. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Tune out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash Nevia. Tune out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash Nevia.